Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. You're listening to Season 5 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. I'm your host, Molly McElgain. Here we are. I thought you'd be more comfortable up here. Oh, that is Missy. She's doing sexy Twitter pics. The girls stay here when they need to. They come and go as they please. Everything's very professional. You have to remember, Belle, this is a business. If you want to work and keep working, you show up on time. You do what you're told. You're pleasant to work with. And you thank everyone when you're done. Of course. Hello, Dora. You look beautiful. Mm, thank you. Belle, this is Dora, your scene partner. Hey. Dora, this is Belle's first legitimate adult scene. So be nice. Oh my gosh, girl, welcome. <laughs> you are so cute. Oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. Now, have you ever been with a girl? Well, I've actually identified as bisexual for a while, but I've never fully explored it, so I'm kind of excited. Me too. It's going to be super fun. So she just met her scene partner, our girl. I love her. This is why you can't not love these porn stars. They're the most likable fucking people in the world. And I just don't understand why more people don't see that. I live for her. She was like one, probably my third favorite person in the movie. Dora. Yeah. Who are your favorite? I mean, Julie's number one. Mm hmm. Actually, you know what? I would say that she was second. Like, Belle is actually like my, like, low on the list. Yeah, she was pretty low. She would low be like my second favorite. Yeah. I liked, I liked Dawn better than I liked Miriam. Um, yeah, that's about it. But, um, yeah. Allison Bath is the name of this actress that played Dora. And I think that she should be working more. She has she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. But just more than that, like, she has this, like, unique thing to her she reminds me of Taryn Manning where she has this sort of like inherent toughness to her but it can also be played down by how like sweet she can she can be like she plays this character incredibly sweet but when she has to get tough later on it's like oh this is a bitch you should have never crossed and for sure she could be written like if, if somebody wrote her like a really good part she could kill it I think so too. I think so too. I I don't know. I really like her. Um, she is in a movie that's coming up, um, called Broil. She's playing Mary Sinclair. Let's see. Uh, ooh, it stars Jonathan Lipnicki. I love that for her. Yeah, she is uh, the third. She's the third um, lead after Timothy V. Murphy. So good for her. She's killing it. Yeah, I, I really, I think she's great. And I think that 
the thing that I'm responding to is that I think she genuinely is like a, it's hard for someone to genuinely play that tough of a girl and also that sweet of a girl. It's just not easy for like your average actress to go as cold as she later went. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's like almost like you have to have that first. That's your foundation. And then off of that, you can build all this other sort of personality. But like the foundation of her is like tough. Like I really respect yeah. that. Um, so, Belle gets ready for her scene. Um, this set is obviously a lot more professional. The makeup artist sees her scars and doesn't make a big deal of it. She just says she's going to put some makeup on it. She doesn't even, she just doesn't even mention it. She just goes, Oh, I'm going to put some makeup on this. And like, it's, you know, it makes you consider that one, this probably, she sees this a lot. Um, and the, cause like the way that the guys in facial assault even didn't really react much to it, they used it against her, but they weren't appalled in any way. It makes me feel like this is much more prevalent than I realize. I'm not like a, I'm not a big casual porn watcher. I'm like a more, I watch my favorite characters. I tune in like it's like a soap opera. Like Jenny Jizz is my favorite of all time. By the way, I do want to bring up something about Jenny Jizz later. Um, but we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. So, um, that's the whole idea behind this this scene is that these two girls are the first two people to a pool party. Um, it's like, hey, I'm here for the pool party. Other people aren't here yet. Well, let's get busy. Like, it's literally... <laughs> I, like, love that they didn't even bother with any sort of script. It was actually a really refreshing palate cleanser after all the talking and facial assault. Facial assault is a little too wordy, I think, for most people. I can't imagine why you would watch that unless you're actually, like, a savage individual. Um, they did a really good job, too, of showing, like, the extreme difference between the two shoots. Like, they were night and day. 100% night and day. Like, also, like, literally night and day. Like, one was in a freezing cold warehouse and the other one is like in a beautiful like it's it's like the valley um this is that was like where i did asian chicks nine was at a big house in encino like this huge mansion that belonged to a dermatologist so Belle's having a little bit of a hard time getting into the scene at first. This is her first time with a woman, let alone like having sex in front of strangers. So Don calls her over and he says that this is very normal. She's having sex with someone she just met in front of complete strangers. But the main difference here is that all of these people are working and she's the person who's supposed to have the easiest job today. If she likes sex and she can go get after it and just go do the scene. And this works for her. She's much more comfortable. And uh, Don on smiles because she's become a natural very quickly. Um, this scene is hilariously lifetime because nothing is going on um, at all. They're just really just sort of like heavy petting and making out. Um, and then, you know, they get some like insert shots of like them untying each other's bikinis and stuff. And then the director's like, okay, now you're going to want to go down a little bit and like go towards her stomach. And like, then they, they change up the shot. And so you get to see this is what it's like on a porn set. This is exactly the experience I had where like the director's like saying like okay now we need an insert of this like it's very uncomfortable to say insert insert in this like raw but like we need like you know this sort of shot like get it from over here blah 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 and then they cut like they're doing a job and that's the main thing that I think um, this movie sort of showed but I really wish more people understood like I really wish that everyone could have a day on a porn set I think it's so illuminating and so refreshing um, and it's like honestly one of my probably favorite experiences in my career um, was getting to go do that so um, 
we see Belle that is growing a nice little following for herself already. She's on her third scene now. She's absolutely killing it. She's totally on porn Twitter, which... I'm sure you guys know none of y'all live under rocks, but, you know, much like there are many, like, little subsets on Twitter, there is a whole thing of porn Twitter. And because Twitter, you're allowed to be completely uncensored. So people will full blown, like, you know, everyone from Trisha Paytas, I saw her vagina for the first time the other day for free on Twitter, um, yeah. to like, you know, Jenny Jizz. And who's that woman you follow who does like the scenes? Oh. Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, yeah, she's iconic. She's British. She's everything. Yeah, what's her name? Rebecca what? Um, I'm going to have to look it up and then I'll say it like I'll I'll say it in like 5 minutes. Give me one second. But yeah, I mean like there's, you know, it's this opportunity for people to build their names um basically using social media it just like anyone else. Um and a lot of times like Jenny Jizz, she came off of Snapchat. And now she's a lot bigger, but like she, you know, really like you get to see these people's personalities in a unique way when you follow them on Twitter or um, social media. It's so, Rebecca Moore, by the way. Rebecca, Rebecca Moore, Moore. More MILF, more underscore MILF if you're interested. She's amazing. Okay. Well, <laughs> was the British is coming thing she did. Didn't she do like an Independence Day thing where she was getting fucked out of a window? Yeah. <laughs> in like a full like tri-corner hat. Like literally. She's uh, got very like Amanda Lepore, like um exaggerated plastic surgery. Like she's just like and she's funny and the gays like stand her. She's amazing. You saying Amanda Lepore just reminded me of a name I want to say, which is Juno Temple. Oh, I don't God. think we've said that yet this oh, season. Goosebumps. Sorry to bring you into this, Juno. So, <laughs> yeah. um, she finishes showering at the house. Miriam does, and she talks to her co-star Dora as she's getting ready to leave. We learn that Dora is from Oklahoma, and she has to get home to her mom, who's been sick for a long time. Um, she started doing this to make money and help her siblings out a little bit. And then she has spell about school, and Miriam says she has a lot of culture theories she needs to catch up on with on her way home. She asks Miriam if her parents know about the porn yet, and she says that everyone thinks they can keep it a secret, but the truth always comes out, and this can be a very lonely lifestyle if you don't tell anyone. Miriam says that her parents are super religious and will all be fine, but they just absolutely cannot find out. Um, I This was like a little, I, I would say, late in the timeline for her to think that there's a world in which she could do internet porn and no one would find out. I mean, I, would, I was like blown away by how long this went on, especially with her parents. Just like, like, her being like, oh no, like there's so many porn stars on the internet that they'll never know that it's me. Like, I thought that was insane, but also I guess by the standards of how naive she is about just everything, it made sense. Like, I guess it's really not that far off. Yeah, I mean, this is just one dangerous fucking industry to get into without really doing a Google search. Like, there are some, like, parameters, you know, for sure. And you know, it's you see again. I'm not to keep bring up bringing up Hot Girls Wanted, but I do think the way that this movie pulled from Bell's documentary, it also pulled a lot from that. And you know, you see these people, these girls, try and get away with this and hide it from their family. And it's just something that, like, unfortunately, if this is something you choose to do, you have to figure out a way to be proud of it. Um, like that's part of the job is is figuring out a way to deal with that shame and move past it. Because, like, you just can't hide. I don't know. I, I'm i surprised that her brother didn't find this, to be honest. Um, but 
Anyway, um, Jolie comes back while Miriam's counting her cash from her big trip. She sees that Miriam has a nice new bag. Um, she makes up this story about her ex, Josh, gave it to her, and he wishes they were still together, but they can't do long distance right now. Jolie tells her that they got to go out and party at the foundry. And Jolie seems this is really where I, I start to realize this, because Miriam is... You know, she seems truly distraught that she is so behind on her schoolwork. Like, it's not like, a, oh, I'm really behind. It's like, a, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm really fucking behind, dude. Like, I'm scared. And Jolie's like not having any of it. She's like, come on, let's go. And I wrote in my notes here that this is where she seems like the type of high functioning alcoholic that just like leaves everyone in her wake. Like... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like all these people that like, you know, are partying with her and drinking with her that don't realize that ultimately she does have that valve that can shut it off. And by the time they realize that their valve may be permanently on like it's there's people there's alcoholics that are for sure like that. And obviously, if you have that in your in your blood or DNA at all, it just sort of like kicks that personality to the top. It really like made me start to think like, okay. I'm not I'm not loving Jolie. Um, she's very much that alcoholic that like is so bubbly and sweet about it that it takes you years to realize that she's a drunk. Well, she's a Nola drunk, baby. Like these, yeah, you know, yes. these people were born to like sort of be around alcohol responsibly or irresponsibly. They know how to be around it. And, you know, a lot of like it reminds me of Stasi from Vanderpump. Just in that like there's a world in which like she can, you know, wake up and drink a hurricane at 9 a.m. and like still ha- be a successful person. Right. Granted, she's had to sort of tailor her career to a certain like these are her talents. I don't I wonder what else Stasi would do if she was not on Vanderpump because that girl was made for television. But like, you know, not everyone who's made for television can be on it. I wonder what she would have done if she hadn't sort of fallen into this. She strikes me as the kind of person that would just no matter what, find success somehow. Like she would just fall into like a like a Blinko chip into some version of a success story. Oh, I 100% agree. I think that, like, also she has that good family money that, like, if she wanted to do a startup or something, they could have, like, supported that. But it it always does fascinate me that she sort of went to Sir with, like, the vague plan of making it in Hollywood after graduating college. And, yeah, it always fascinated me. Um, Okay, so let's play this scene of the bar. It's popping off. Jolie makes her big entrance. Let's play 3603 to 3737. Did you go anywhere? Oh, 
But did someone have their period on your sweatshirt? <laughs> no, it, it's just one. It's a nice look. Dude, did you see Melody Woods? She's got his top on. Makes her tits look insane. She's totally in me tonight. I can hit it. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that ratchet chick in the glass? I wouldn't, would you? Her. No way, dude. Sevens are higher. Six chicks So those guys are fucking dicks. Um, those are real asshole dudes. That scene was very triggering. Um, it did remind me of like a couple instances in my life, like in which I just felt like a nerd, like just felt like I don't fucking belong here. Or yeah, or like, or like the feeling of sort of like being told like, how dare you think that like you could talk to me? Yeah, you know, which is like super. Bad. We have to point out as well that this is the this party is the first of I think four because I wrote them all down uh, four ins- instances where like a girl like verbally assaults her out of nowhere and just like runs away like yeah. just walks up to her and says like ugly bitch and like walks away from her like the girl at this party poured wine all over her hoodie and said like no it's just a hoodie try harder next time and like glides away and this happens to her like all the time all over campus i know <laughs> it pissed me off too because like if there's any time in your life that you should be drinking in a hoodie it's fucking college like i know it's like okay sorry i didn't put on my like best fucking wet seal top girl And I know that that's very also like that part of the country, like Southern, you know, college girls are very known for like maintaining a specific style. But it was definitely that way at Boston College, too. One hundred percent. Like you had to be dressing like we lived in the era of the going out top. Like it was you had to be dressing. Your hair had to be good. Your makeup had to be good. You know, I was always just sort of a more sort of reserved version of that. Like I never wore like foundation or anything like that. Like I would just put on my pretty eyeliner and like you know hope for the best um so i kind of like related for what the women that fucking at like verbally assault her throughout the entire movie they're all like 43 year old extras that are playing like 18 year old college students that look like they could be her like aunties yeah, they look, they also sort of seemed like those seniors that are just rough. Like the girls that like, do you remember like being a freshman and like you'd see certain seniors and you'd be like, oh, you look like what a real adult looks like. Yes. Cause you still, I mean, I still looked like I was probably 15 until I was like 27. And then like the world hit me rapidly. But like it, like honestly, I looked like a fucking minor. So I really, I, when I, I remember being a college and especially certain like more like waspy features like they they can age more quickly like i know that sounds fucking terrible but you no, know but it's, true. it's like that alex mccord face yeah you just become you like become more of like a woman quicker it's like the sharper features and like just like you whereas like i have a very like round ass little face um but yeah, so fuck those bitches. They were awful. Yeah, and they, they totally were played up to that sort of southern sorority stereotype. Um and we see that, you know, BC was definitely a school where people got up and dressed like they dressed for class, like people would do their hair and whatever. Um full like outfit all winter long every class. But um yeah, I 
I kind of maybe didn't realize that as I noticed it, but didn't like put that all together until now that this is like peak Southern college culture. Um, I'm glad that we didn't see more of like the frat life though. Cause I, I think that if I saw anything close to like those sorority rallying cheers that they do, I probably would have passed out. Oh my God. You know, the video I'm thinking of, of course. Oh my God. Like the most haunted house in America. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I ever watched that video, I was not expecting that at all when the door opened and like my heart literally beat so fast. I thought I was going to have a stroke. Like, you know, Ryan Murphy does not have many creative regrets in his life, but I feel like if he had seen that when he was making Scream Queens, we'd have a different show. Uh, 1000%, yes. So, you know, these guys don't know that sooner rather than later, they're going to be beating their meat to her, you know? Yeah. So we see Belle's uh, social medias. She's developed quite a little naughty girl character with a baby voice. I do want to play some of that a little bit, but um, right now we're still pretty entry level. She has about 13,000 followers on Twitter now and 79 posts. Her numbers are growing pretty quickly, though. Um, It's Christmas at Duke, and now, um, you know, it's kind of looking like a winter wonderland. It's very idyllic. So, um Miriam gives Jolie a gift and Jolie's like, we said we wouldn't do gifts. Um, and she got her a beautiful Florida Lee necklace and Jolie says she's going to get her something when she's home. So she's back in Washington now when her family comes back from a mass. It's just uh, her mom, her brother and her. And everything is very quaint and normal, despite the fact that they haven't seen their daughter in over four months. Um, I do think that, you know, there was definitely kids that you know, just didn't really see their parents for most of college. But, like, it it was a little bit shocking to me for a family that was so close that, like, her brother never came and visit or anything like that. Like, she just was... Visit? I thought that was really weird. Just, like, late August to, you know, late December, your 18-year-old daughter is gone. I don't know. Um, Mom tells Miriam that she wants to talk to her about something. And, by the way, like, I understand there's going to be someone listening to this who went to college in, like, Brazil for four years and is, like, what the fuck? Like, not everyone sees their family. So, they're back for Christmas and reminder dad's not there because he's in Afghanistan so mom tells Miriam that she does want to talk to her about one thing she got the tuition bill and she's already paid off seven thousand dollars her mom doesn't understand how the hell she got seven thousand dollars and Miriam tells her that she got the job that her mom told her she needed but instead of a campus job she's been slinging weed to other students in her building and of course her mom is absolutely appalled to hear that she's been selling kids marijuana and Bell's like, or Miriam's like, listen, you know, it's legal in Washington. And the mom's like, well, it's not in North Carolina. And her brother's like, it's the South. It's probably a felony there. And like, first of all, it's definitely a felony there. Like, let's not, let's not mince words, my buddy. Like, how do you not know that weed is for sure a fucking felony in all of these states at this time? Like, Texas, like, they put the guy from One Tree Hill in jail over a roach. Like, they, these states do not fuck around with weed. Can we also talk about the fact that he's like almost in full hysterics because he is acting like his sister is now like a heroin addict? Well, and- this is like where I thought for sure that he knew that she had been doing porn. Like, this is where I thought that maybe he started to hide this from like he knew the because like he he looks yeah. so disappointed when he hears the answer. But like you can't even it's just like the expression on his face is like, is he disappointed? Is he was he expecting this? Does he secretly not blame her for selling weed? And then when mom leaves, he looks just, you know, 
she says it was a one-time thing and she won't do it again. She asked her mom to not say anything, but her brother's like so upset with her. And he's like, why would you think this is okay? And it's just, yeah, it's like, I get it. Like, you know, it's not okay to sell marijuana. I don't think there should be any parent that's fucking great. My kid sells weed, especially when it's illegal and like, you know, there could be in a state where they wind up in prison for it, but probably not because she's a white 18 year old girl. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's difficult for me because I don't understand what these people wanted her to fucking do. Like what did they do? I did think it was a really, I don't know if this was like the perspective of like where she was supposed to be coming from, but it's how I took it. I thought it was a really good, realistic gauge of it's like well of like sort of dipping her toe in the water like if they're gonna react to this to to me selling like weed as if i have completely thrown my life away which like you said is is not a good thing to do but like they're acting like she like murdered somebody and like hid the body you know what i mean it was like a good gauge of how they would react if she did you know tell them that she was doing porn and, you know, I, I, I'll say that's true. I think that, like, it's easy for us, like, especially, like, me who lives in a state where it's been legalized for so long and, like, also just someone who smokes pot. Like, I find it so, like, come on. Like, it's not that fucking bad. But you forget that to, like, a lot of this country, like, the majority of this country, smoking weed is, like, not cool. Yeah, a full-on gateway drug. Mm-hmm. It's like an illegal narcotic. Most people are very, like, it's easy to forget how religious people are. It's easy to forget mm-hmm. how conservative people are. Yeah, I don't know. But, so she gets a text from Don saying that he has big money for her in L.A. if she goes now. So she goes into the kitchen, and she tells her mom, you know, she has this service project that she's been working on. The mom knows about the service project, and she says that she needs to get back to school a couple days early um, in order to, you know, get things started. And her brother's like, oh, so you're going to miss New Year's. And, like, <laughs> this is where I was like, why? Do you want to kiss her? Like, shut the... Like, who fucking cares Jesus if your sister... Christ. And then I just realized, you know what, Molly? There's also, like, those families that are just, like, close families. Like... Like, there's, uh, it's hard sometimes when you're dating someone who's, like, really, really close with their siblings, for example, because, like, at a certain point, you're like, I don't get it. Like, this person's gonna be around your whole life. Like, what do you, like, why do you have to just sit in a room together all the time? But, like, this is also my only child, like, in me. Like, I get very, like, sad for other people when I, when I see, like, when they're, like, confused about how two friends can be so close or how two siblings can be too close. Cause I'm like, that's sad. You just have never been that close with someone. That's why you can't comprehend it. So I'm trying to like give my generosity so here true. and assume that maybe <sighs> these siblings do want to hang out together, but I'm sort of like, Paul fucking calm down, save your money. You, you live at home rent free, save your money and take a bus out there. Like you could take a cross country bus to go visit your sister. Like you can stop at churches and hostels along the way. Like, and you know, <laughs> he's uh, like, Oh, you don't want to spend New Year's in the kitchen with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, we're serving all the soup at midnight. So the brother's all pissed that the mom said, you know, go ahead. Um, and she says to, she says to Miriam, it's like Father Young said today at church. It's important to give back. That's what Father Young said today at church. Like, I was waiting for, like, 
I like because like I paused my computer when I was doing notes because I was like, oh, like I feel like like if the lead in is like Father Young said today at church, I literally had to put it on pause because I was prepared to type out a monologue of like probably some very wise words that the the pastor said or whatever. But instead it was, it's important to give, it's important to give back. <laughs> it's like, I just like cannot with this fucking family dude. And especially, I don't know if it's like the mom, the dad doesn't really bother me that much. He does, but like on the scale, I don't know if it's the mom or the brother that drives me more insane. Like the mom is just constantly leaning into every lifetime mom cliche that there's ever been as hard as she can. Yeah. It's tough. Cause she's like a victim, you know, like she's yeah. very, like she's a victim of her own naivete. Like they've handed over their lives to this church where like the sage wisdom they're getting is it's important to give back. Like there's nothing wrong with identifying yourself completely by, you know, and some people will argue that that's not true. I'm fine with people that are like very, very religious. And I think that it's actually a wonderful thing for certain people really is. Um, But I also think that like (laughs) when it comes at the expense of your common sense, Um, you know, that is not, that's not the best sign. Um, and so she's getting ready to leave and her brother calls after her and he gets her in the living room. He's like, what's going on? You know, you'll always, I'll always be here for you, whatever you need. And she's like, look, I know I just have to go back to school. So she arrives at LAX. Um, she's at a big home in the Valley. She's got four scenes in the next two days. The big scene is on Sunday. And she says that she can't stay for that shoot because she needs to get home for class. So she sits down in makeup and says, okay, turn me into Belle. So right now we know, like, she is this separate character. This is going to be important later on in the movie, but she definitely is still a person at this point who sits down in a chair and gets turned into this character. Um, We see a Twitter update with starting the year off with a bang or two or three. Um, she now has only 75 posts for some reason and only 11,906 followers. So I think someone at lifetime fucked up the slides when they, they switched out the last one for the first one. Um, but then she updates her regular Miriam Facebook when she gets back to school, like nothing ever happened. She's like, let's go, you know, happy new semester. So Jeff and the girls are walking through the quad. Um, and he's talking about how he really wants to rush one of the frats. He's a legacy. So he may be able, able to pull it off. Um, from what I know, like a legacy means you have an automatic in, but, um, like this Greek thing obviously is a big deal at this school. And, um, the other girl that's with them is someone that sort of, I'm thinking of when I remember that this is like really a Southern school, she's wearing like a blue statement necklace and a matching blue headband and sort of like a peach cardigan. And she has her hair in like a low side pony. And it just is very like, okay, I, okay. I'm clocking it. All right. I remember who these people are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Miriam says the whole Greek theme seems, seems a little arcane to her. Um, the other girls run off and all of a sudden it's just Jeff and Miriam and he needs to talk to her. Let's play 4340 to 4429. Hey, Miriam. Um, can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Are you in a porn movie? He's talking about. Because uh, if not, then there's this girl who looks exactly like you. Like exactly. And she even sounds like you and well i mean bell knocks it's you isn't it 
I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't know who that is. I guess I have a doppelganger. So you have a twin sister who's also a women's studies major. Oh, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't get upset. Jeff, we're friends, right? Yes. I mean, of course. I need you to promise me that you're not gonna tell anybody, okay? If anybody finds out about this, my life is over. Please. Okay. I won't. Pinky swear. Yeah, pinky swear. So this pinky swear thing apparently really did happen. In real life, she, one of the guys that she was sort of friends with, tried to get with her, and she made him promise not to say anything over a pinky swear, and um, when she later rejected his advances, he wound up telling half the school. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah, this was, um, I think this was something that came up in, um, when I was watching maybe Piers Morgan last night, I think that might have okay. been on there, um, but the pinky swear... You know, it's very sweet and naive of her to think that she can pinky swear her way out of a secret like this with, like, a drunk college freshman who's desperate to, like, to get some social favor. (laughs) Um, It's you, right? Bell Knox? Right. (laughs) It's, like, also, like, you know, she could have denied for a little longer. Yeah, she could have given it a, a tiny bit of a try. Yeah, it's like it also it's not that wild of a scenario for sort of a mousy brunette who goes yeah. to school to do porn. Like, I don't know, especially <laughs> like she doesn't walk around super made up. So, I mean, she could have gotten away with it if we're being real. So at the frat rush party, Miriam's sort of panicking by herself. She's like staring off into space. Um, she tells Jolie she's not really feeling it. And Jolie's like, hey, look, Mr. Kennedy's talking to Jeff. So she looks over and the guy who she's been, you know, had her eye on since the first night is now sort of like giving her the up and down while he's talking to Jeff, who's sort of looking over at her. And Jeff looks a little bit like, uh, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but it feels good to be cool. Miriam leaves the party and she tosses and turns at night in her bed. She sees that her regular accounts are now blowing up. So her regular Facebook, her Miriam Facebook, is getting hundreds of requests every minute. Um, and the next morning, Miriam has some words for Jeff. She's pretty rightfully pissed off. Let's play 4606 to 4643. Dude, it's early. My roommates are asleep. Did you tell them? Oh, crap. I guess something may have slipped. Half the frats friended me last night. I'm so sorry, Miriam, okay? I guess because it's rushed and I've been drinking and then the guys started harassing me. So they've all seen it. You showed them. I'm really, really sorry. You should be! My life is over! You must have known that this will get out eventually. It's on the internet. Miriam. So, I mean, obviously, it was pretty rotten of him to expedite the process here, but this is the snag of doing porn. It's, like, going to catch up to you at some point. I feel like if it's in your peer group first, that's kind of lucky. Like, when you think about all the people out there that watch porn, how that could have been her brother, how that could have been her, you know, the father at her church, you know, while that could have been the, you know, whatever. It could have been her dad's buddies in Afghanistan. Like, yeah. 
she's kind of lucky it was another college classmate of hers. Um, she sits in the quad alone, and Jolie comes up to her and asks if she's heard that there's another freshman who's a porn star. It's all over the freshman social media group. Um, I don't know if your school had anything like this, but we did at BC. It was called Agora, and it basically was like pre-Facebook Facebook, where you could look up like anyone, and then you could look up their class schedule, you could look up their address, where they were from, blah, blah, blah. But then there was also sort of like a live message board. It wasn't a chat, but it wasn't like a Facebook thread, but it wasn't a a pure message board either. It was something where you could sort of see updates semi in real time. And, um, she, they basically have, you know, that is blowing up. Their version of that is blowing up. Um, so it's contained to just the school, but, and no one's naming her, uh, directly, but everyone's sort of talking about, this girl. Um, and, you know, she says, you know, Jolie, you do know the girl that this is. It's me. And Jolie knows she's not kidding right away, which I love that there's not really this moment of her just being completely incredulous. Like she right away sort of gets it. And she explains that she went out of town, um, you know, not the way that she's been saying she has been. She's been going to L.A. Um, She's been doing these porn shoots. She can't afford to stay in school any other way. And Jolie's upset that she lied to her. She said, you know, you should have just told me. And Jolie's like, you know, I don't care about what you do as long as you don't ever lie to me, which... You yeah. know, that's like, it's a really sweet moment, you know? Um, but also, I'm like, Jolie, you got to understand why this bitch didn't tell you, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like the definitive moment of like, because I, I, I don't know, on my first viewing, I feel like even at this point, I was still a little bit like, is Jolie going to end up like, is this going to be a moment where they're not friends and then they end up friends in the end or something? But, like, this is the moment where Jilly proves that she's, like, a real down-ass bitch. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I just want to know what's going on. I think that's, like, honestly why they had her come from New Orleans, too. Yeah, I could see that. Like, as if, like, people from New Orleans just sort of, like... I mean, it <laughs> yeah. is true. It's, a, it's like, a, a, you know, a much different lifestyle down there. People are, like... You know, it's a conservative town, but people are pretty, like, libertarian in that sense, you know? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so people are being absolutely horrible to her online. They're saying that her nose is bigger than her boobs. She's a tramp. She deserves to die. Um, No one has directly outed who she is yet on this social thing, but people are definitely going to find out. Um, And she's kind of assumed that, you know, there were so many people making porn that she'd be able to get away with this this whole time. And Jolie's like, listen, you know, there are supportive comments, too. There's people defending that it's her body and she can do whatever she wants. There's a girl named Amanda who works at the school paper and she wants to talk to her. So Miriam's like, no fucking way am I talking to the school paper about this. And Jolie's like, it might be a good idea. You know, you don't deserve to be harassed for this. Um I don't know how I feel about that advice. About her telling her to do it? Yeah. I what, think like, why? Because it's... Okay, like, either way, things were going to shake out. But it's easier to tell someone else to go basically out themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although she doesn't give her name to the paper, it's easier to sort of tell someone to go do that than it is to do it yourself. And to deal with the ramifications of that. And I think that, you know, although Miriam is very good at being succinct in her arguments, um, I don't think that sometimes she really knows the value of what she's saying. So, like, while Jolie 
might be a perfect person to go do that because she seems to have a mixture of both. If anything, maybe she's a little bit too much of a talker. I think Mm -hmm. that she would have like a clearer sense of what putting your words in print means. I get that. I, I, I think if I'm being honest with you, I probably would have given the same advice, but I get what you're saying. Like I probably probably would have given the same advice too. I'm not saying that like she shouldn't have given that advice, but I just, it's like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, Molly, it's so much easier to say that than to do it. 1000%. Yeah. Like I think that I would have just told her to get ahead of it somehow because like not saying anything has gotten her into a situation where like, you know, like she's like the talk of the town. So like any, any way that you choose to get in front of it and like, control the reins a little bit whatever that looks like for you like you got to do something you know yeah and it kind of sucks because like this isn't like this is only a big deal partially because of the prestige of the school exactly yeah people are upset because like it violates their code of conduct you know but (laughs) it doesn't yeah so let's play um this interview clip 4931 to 5144 hi uh i'm miriam amanda want to sit I don't know about this. I get it. Gossip spreads fast on campus. It's only going to get rougher, too. Right. And some of the frats and sororities know who I am, but my name isn't totally out there. For the purposes of my article, I can use an alias. Whatever you're comfortable with. And I promise to be fair. I just don't know. This is your chance to tell your side. Don't you want to make lemonade? You know, the guy who outed me was watching hardcore porn, and yet I'm the one who's being called a slut because somehow creating the content is more shameful than consuming it. It's a double standard. So doing porn for you is a feminist act? Yeah, in a way. Is that why you're doing it? I'm doing it because I need money. My parents can't afford the $60,000 a year tuition at Duke, and I don't want to be in debt for the rest of my life. I mean, if I waitressed part-time, I'd maybe make $400 a month. And it's degrading. You don't find porn degrading? Actually, it's empowering. I get to have this alter ego. It's like Miriam is this serious, studious, nerdy girl, and then... Belle is this sexy, mischievous, uninhibited minx. Yeah, but aren't most of the directors men? And then the way that these women are shown are usually helpless, disposable sex toys that exist only to pleasure men. It's true. A lot of the directors are men. But maybe it's time that that changed. And there's a lot of different kinds of porn for different sexual preferences. You know, a lot of women, myself included, are really turned on by BDSM and sexual domination. My sexual preference doesn't make me any less feminist. So again, this is where I reiterate in my notes that every cool person in this movie is an Asian woman. But I will wind up changing my mind about Amanda later. Yeah. Um, 
I really love some of the ways that Lifetime is handling the issue, considering that they really can't go for everything that they could or should for like the way that this needs to be handled. Um, they do a good job of showing her like walking around campus and everyone's looking at her and cackling and she rightfully feels like she's wearing a scarlet letter. She says that she could, she can't even let her parents know about this. They're Catholic, and for all her mom knows, she's still a virgin. And Miriam thanks Amanda for her time. Um, they sort of walk away from each other, um, and she's really looking forward to the article. So as she walks off, the first girl she sees bangs into her and calls her a slut to her face. When she's in class, literally everyone is staring at her. Some of her classmates are even taking videos of her just sitting there. Um, she walks by a group of guys on campus and they all throw hot dogs at her and they're like, hey, what's wrong with you? Let's make a movie. Um, you know, it's tough because like this is a disruption in class. It's yeah. not her fault. Because, like, I mean, I think that she is in a position where people are going to want to pay more attention to her. But if it comes at the cost of like her education, it's not worth it. Right. But yeah. Currently, this has created a distraction that not even Miriam is able to study in class. Like, literally everyone is paying attention to her. And I, like, I struggle to say that because I also feel like at a certain point that's, like, saying that, you know, high schoolers can't wear strappy tank tops because it's a distraction for the boys or leggings or whatever. But, like, this is a little... That's exactly what I wrote down. This is also a little bit of of a different thing. Like, I think it's a little bit more jarring, like, you know, especially, like, a pretty conservative-seeming university. I, I don't think that Duke is, like, religiously affiliated in any way, but, like, just given on the part of the country that it is, it seems like it would have more conservative values there. So, I'm... I'm a little bit like torn on what what to what I would do here if I was an administrator. I realize that I, there would legally be no way to like kick her out. That was fair, and she doesn't deserve to be kicked out. She's literally only doing this so she can afford her education. But well, she did say on I don't remember which one it was. It may have been Pierce Morgan that like they came to like the collective decision that even if it was just her taking like a short like it was just so hot button when it first happened that like they all decided collectively that she needed to like take some time away from school and she felt you know it was a danger to her physically and mentally like physically doing things to her and girls were like you know trying to beat her up and you know he she had men that like were openly telling her that they were going to rape her like you know it was just so I, like, I think that what they did was the right thing. And of course, like during the time that she took off from school, she went on a press tour. Um, but I, I don't know. I probably would have, would have advised her to do the same thing. Like, even if you do come back in like a couple of weeks, just like go away for a minute. Yeah, it sucks because at what point do you like con- consider this a ramification of her decision um, yeah. to do this? Because like, you know, when you are any type of famous person, which, like, that is what you're doing. Anytime you're creating something for a mass audience, you serve as a potential distraction, and that is your choice in going into the public eye. Like, mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. very basic, like, issue of, of um, you know, sort of, like, celebrity safety, except it's a much more extreme example because this is a person who has a very sort of... Um, you know, scandalous notoriety, um, unfortunately, because of the way that people view porn. Like you know, trying to go to school, which seems like a basic right. And, you know, Natalie Portman got through Harvard. Like, you know, it's just, 
it's it's really I don't know. So when Miriam gets back to her room, the words "Go home, whore" have been sprayed on her door. Um, she takes a photo of it. Jolie comes with her to an appointment at the women's center. Jolie says, "You know, she's got her back. You know, these assholes can't get to you." Um, there is some swearing in this movie, by the way. They didn't really dance around it a lot. Um, they sort of said what they needed to um, when they needed to without going too hard. Um, she tells the woman that she's been harassed nonstop by other students. The woman from the Women's Center, whose name I never got, by the way. Did you? No, I didn't. But I loved her. I thought she was a really good actor. I thought she was a good actor, too. I mean, there was one moment that was, like, really not great. But, um, <laughs> like, when when she's reacting to her on Piers Morgan. Hold on. What yeah, is her name? Yeah. While you're looking for that, can I just say something really quick just before we get too far ahead of it? I would love uh, that. As far as um, her conversation with the the newspaper girl um i think that the movie did a really good job of highlighting like the just the general conversation that bell knox brought up in this country like it's like you would have thought that this was something that happened in like 1999 like it's crazy that this only happened a few years ago that like we're fine and she even said this on piers morgan like we're completely fine with a college girl doing porn like that's almost like a cliche but the school that she was going to and what she was studying made it this like this thing that none of us could wrap our heads around that she wants to study law and she's studying like feminist history but she she also wants to do porn like it really made everybody fembot and i thought the movie did a good job of like just highlighting like whatever side you were on opposed or not opposed just like how insane this was and like how important the conversation was that was surrounding her at this time, even for like a, if it was just like a short period. I think it's also about like the quality of the school, like that, you know, I think that a lot of times when people talk about like college girls and porn, like there's a little bit of an eye roll after it as if like college has ever really been the main idea. Like it's almost used as, Most of the girls who play school girls or college girls or whatever in porn or like that sort of like, you know, oh, you know, why are you stripping? Because I'm putting myself through law school. Like those sort of things are also viewed as like a little bit of like a joke. And so I think that one this could be her naivete a little bit where she like thinks that, you know, everyone's fine with college girls doing porn when in reality, like I don't think people are at most schools, especially not like an Ivy League. I think that that doesn't actually happen that often. Yeah, I guess you're right. I could see that. I mean, at least in this, like, in the sense of it just kind of blowing up and everybody. I don't know. I mean, cam girls is one. Cam girls are one thing. Like private Snapchat, like whatever that members only thing is, or whatever. Like only fans or whatever. Like that is sort of one thing, but I don't think it's as common for girls who are socialized in large schools with dorms, like for them to appear in hardcore porn films. Yeah, I guess you're right. I could see that. It may be a little bit different now just because, like, the conversation has changed so much. But, like, even just as recently as when Bell Knox was, like, making headlines, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, I I think that also, like, it's 100% fucked up because most of the time when that sort of eye roll happens, it's because, like, they can't see the duality of a human being that they could be someone who's comfortable stripping and someone who's like legitimately trying to, you know, get a degree. Um, yeah. But 
you know, at the same time, like, I don't, I don't think that that's a super socialized thing. And I know that kids who are younger now will like disagree with me. But like when, when I was going to school, that would have been shocking. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, because it was a Catholic school, they probably would have been kicked out. Um, just simply because like it, they could say that, you know, they're tarnishing the image of the school. Like there's always those little like things in place to be able to low key kick someone out, even though the law doesn't necessarily stand by it in a normal situation. Um, so yeah, she tells, um, this woman who, by the way, her name is, uh, Sarah, the woman from the woman's center. Um, she tells her that she's been harassed nonstop by other students. And she says that they have a zero tolerance policy for this kind of stuff. They may move her to another dorm, one that's not so co-ed. And she says she really wants to stay with Jolie. So she asks the woman to like, reassure her that she can't get kicked out for this and sarah says that duke's policy is that as long as she's an upstanding student nothing she does in her personal life really matters they cannot fire her for doing a job in her free time that's 100 percent a legal job um she tells her that she hopes she comes forward with the complaints so they can all work on this together and Miriam feels a lot better when she leaves the center. The counselor encourages her to like come forward to her family because the stress of keeping a secret like this can be worse than coming clean later. So I think that that's 100% true. Yeah, agreed. And I still, I cannot believe that she still hasn't told her parents. Like this is the type of stress that could kill a person for something that's essentially a ticking time bomb. They say that in um, Hot Girls Wanted, like it's not a matter of like if it's a matter of when. Um, just knowing that they're going to find out in some seedy fucking way, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is something that I, like, I'm the kind of person that like, I'm very like, you know, jump through the fire to get to the other side. Like, I love having tough conversations and just being done with it. So like, I would have told my mom like 10 minutes after my first shoot, like I would have been like, I just did fucking face gaggers or whatever, just so you know, (laughs) I don't know what it's going to turn into. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I would I would have totally kept it a secret. I couldn't really? come clean about a parking ticket. No, because <laughs> I was just so scared of, like, the punishment and the shame, like, the anger, the disappointment. Like, I really feared having my mom be deeply disappointed in me. That was, like, the worst idea of a feeling in the world. Oh. Um, but, you know... Yeah. And then I think like sort of I went like the full opposite of that. And like my mom totally went hands off with a lot of that stuff. And then like I was kind of like, I wish that you had been easier back then and a little more like, you know, gave more critical notes now. Um, But anyway, when they leave, one of their friends runs up to them and tells them that the article has been published. And Miriam looks completely overwhelmed. She and Jolie sit down and read the article off the tablet. It's 5630 to 5820. Amanda totally lied. She said she'd be fair. She gave you an alias like she said she would. Missy makes a compelling argument. I'm a feminist, and to me that means taking agency over my personal liberty and my right to choose what to do with my body. This is really flattering. I don't understand why you're so upset. She makes me sound like I contradict myself. Then she says I'm insecure, and that makes me sound like I'm some first-year woman seeking approval or something. She said to make lemonade. I don't know. I thought she made you sound pretty good. Well, I'm not some insecure first-year woman. She reduced me to a cliche. I think she made you seem really human and vulnerable. I don't want pity. I want people to understand that this is about empowerment. I get that, but... You know what? 
Let's go to the foundry tonight. I need to get out. Really? Oh no. Look who's here. It's fine. I'm fine. Really? Hey. Oh. Hi. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm all good. What are you doing later? Uh, I don't know. You want to hang out? Yeah, that, that would be awesome. Cool. So you want to meet me and my buddies back at the dorm? What buddies? <laughs> Come on, Belle. It'll be fun. We can make a video of our own. <laughs> I mean, that's that's your thing, right? <laughs> I mean, I agree that, you know, this was a fair piece that, that Amy wrote. I could also see that, like, you know... I could see why I could see why Miriam was upset. Jolie, like, really, you know, this is sort of what I mean when, like, I maybe wouldn't have told someone like this to go do that because for some reason, Miriam was under the impression that, you know, even though she was working under an anonymous name or whatever, this would somehow be like a glowing report or mm-hmm. something completely in her defense when in reality it was probably it sounds like it was just reported on as a piece of journalism. Like they got her statements and then they maybe got some statements from classmates and she wrote up a piece. Yeah. And it was also like, it kind of leaned into like the gossipy of it all. Like, you know what I mean? This is a girl that everybody on campus is talking about. And this girl like got like the exclusive on her and knowing that everybody's going to read it. And they all want to know like these sort of hot button questions, you know, they want all these specific things answered and like, you know, the big takeaway from her article was that she said that it was a a feminist act to be doing porn. You know, that was like the big thing that like spread across the country that became like her, her thing that she said on every single talk show. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, you know, we all agree that sort of like take culture in place of journalism is a bad thing, right? Like when you read Mm -hmm. a very persuasive take um, before you really know anything else about something, you're probably going to go into the rest of your learning about this case with that take, you know, in your back pocket. And Mm -hmm. straightforward journalism is really important for the reasons that it shows both sides. It's balanced. Um, You know, you're not inserting your emotion into it if you're a good journalist, if you're doing your job. And, you know, because of that, I think people, when they see something with no real opinion in it, they are confused and they start processing things like it just goes like it's wildfire like giving Mm -hmm. unfortunately giving people like a stack of facts can be worse than sort of spoon feeding them the information which you know says something a lot about how we like interact with news now and also maybe the way we're supposed to maybe we're supposed to sort of run wild with a stack of facts maybe you know, I don't, maybe not everything should be like spoon fed to you or whatever, but I definitely like that definitely seemed to be the case here is that either side got to move forward with their own narrative, you know? Yeah. And like at the same time to play devil's advocate, it's like, what the hell was that girl supposed to do? Like condemn you or give you like a glowing review and say that this is the right thing. Like, 
you know what I mean? It wasn't really up to her to decide whether everybody on campus should think what she's doing is right. You know what I mean? Like, Amanda is off. Like, let's just say this about Amanda. She's a perfect journalist because she seems like someone who doesn't even, like, trust herself. Like, in that sense. Where she, you know, she just, she asks these questions that are so, um, later on she'll ask some questions at the end. And I found them really just, like, I really disliked the character because she just reminded me of some of the journalists that I've known or dealt with where they just... You know, they're in, in in the process of investigating. It comes off very condescending and yes. and very, um, you know, well, like, what could you possibly think, you know, is is an answer to this? And it's sort of like, well, maybe just don't fucking ask a question that way. Like, you know, it's like that sort of like tone deaf thing that journalists can have when they're trying to just like, you know, get the statements down but like they also are clearly internalizing some sort of opinion. Like Amanda just appears to be very bewildered by her, which I find annoying because she presents as very adult, but also is just so bewildered by the brain of this young woman. Yeah. And I don't know, like there's something unlikable about it to me. I don't, I don't really know what it is like, cause I can't think of a person who's like hyper successful and has this sort of like freshman journalism attitude because like, honestly, like that's just not a fun person to work with, but like, it's that like really dry thing where you're just at being super inquisitive to the point where it's like, why would I trust you to say anything? Like you just seem hypercritical. Um, like a quality about her where like anything that you say, she could, if she feels like it, manipulate and manipulate it and like totally make you look like a monster. Or if she feels like it can make you look great. Like it depends on like what she's feeling at the moment. Like she just is like very seedy. Yeah. She's like, all, yeah, she's a little condescending, but also like it's almost worse than condescending. Cause it's like, she almost can't fathom a world in which she isn't better than this person whereas like condescending typically means like you know you really sort of think you're better than them like i think this woman can't fathom a world in which she's not the the like most intelligent thinker in the universe yeah agreed all right we're gonna cut to um a scene of her asleep in her bed with a bunch of guys banging on the door taunting her to come out make a movie with them miriam's fucking pissed this isn't gonna stop and poor jolie is up in the middle of the night and let's just say like this cannot be easy for jolie like no one came to college with the like you know potential that their that their roommate is going to be harassed nonstop. like She's sort of an innocent bystander in all this. Like, I wonder the the toll that it took on her grades, you know, to be yeah. sort of a partner and, like, you know, stand up and be that good of a person that's going to be like, you know what, I realize that, like, my whole living situation is compromised, but I want to stand by you because, you know, like, while you made this choice, like, the way that you're being treated isn't fair, like, 
That's mm-hmm. a lot for a young girl to negotiate. And I just want to know what empire Jolie is running right now. Cause she is <laughs> such a good person. Like I love her. Um, she like started Glossier. She's Emily from the Hills. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so um, we're going to cut to a scene of her playing schoolgirl with an older man. She's very uncomfortable shooting this scene with a guy who's over 35. And Dom was like, oh, you're serious about that? And she's like, yes. And he's like, well, listen, the whole crew is here. And if you don't do this, you'll be labeled as difficult. So like that's I mean, basically, he stayed on message the whole time, which is just like this is a job. And when everyone comes out with their equipments and people are hired for the day, like not only do they not get paid, you don't get paid. Like, that is a bad industry rep. Um, she films a scene um, with him and then another, and she's more over it these days. Um, it's become somewhat yeah. clinical for her. She, she even says something in her, like, the real Bell Knox says something in her, like, YouTube documentary where she um, talks about how, like, <clears throat> over time, like, after doing so many different shoots, like, she realized, you know, she was having things happen, like, vaginal tears and like bleeding and just like things that happen when you're being fucking banged out for nine hours a day. Yeah. When she got in that last scene, like you could hear him take his dick out of her. Yeah. And she was like, like, huge dick. (laughs) She's like, when you have nine inch dicks and you like beating into your stomach all day, like things happen to you. And she was like, but I look at it as labor. Like this is literally a job. Like it's the same as going to a job and getting calluses on your hands because you work in a factory. Like this is my job. Wow. Yeah, sure is. Oh my God. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, That is, though, it's rough. Like, it's kind of like you should never have to film a a scene that you don't want to. That seems like rule number one, right? But then sometimes these things are going to happen. You're probably going to have to fuck someone that you're not at all attracted to. That in, like, your own personal romantic life, you would never want to have sex with. But that is the part of it where it's a little bit like a job. Like, it's a job that has to get done. Like, yeah. you were hired for it. It may not be your forte, but if you're, you know, you signed up to take the check, you can't fuck over everyone else. Except this just happens to involve probably the most intimate part of an average person's body. Uh, yeah, she said, like, I've never been under the impression that I should like my job, like, <clears throat> that I should like work. Like, I don't like it because it's literally work. So interesting. I know. Um, so she sees her friend Dora from the first scene she ever filmed and Dora's, you know, her scene isn't up yet. So she's bored. She asks her how school is and she says that she has so much work to do. And now that she's been outed on campus, things have become so stressful for her. She's not getting anything done. And her friend Dora tells her that she needs to tell her parents and control that narrative. Now she can even just send a text. It's like pulling a bandaid off. So she takes out her phone and writes to her mom, Mom, I don't want to keep this from you anymore. I've been filming adult videos. So right away, she gets the phone call from her mom, who is calling from the lawn at the church. Um, Yeah, she's standing right in front of the Lord. Like, it's like, honestly, the 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 um, priest is standing right behind her. Like the shot looked like a parody. Yeah, it did. It did. So let's play 101.20 to 102.20. 30. What do I do? Okay. Take a deep breath. We can do this. Okay. 
Mom, um, I wasn't selling pot last semester. I was filming adult videos. No, you can't be serious. Well, I mean, porn is just a business, and it's an honest job. What are you thinking? I knew that you and Dad had enough financial pressure on you, and I didn't want to add to your stress. Mom, believe me, it's going to be fine. No, it's not going to be fine. Do you understand what you've done? All your hard work. All your accomplishments. You've just thrown them away. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I've got to go. We find out that Belle has been moved to an all-women's dorm. A girl calls her a skank, and Belle decides that she's going to end it now. I'm sorry if I sometimes I try to call her Miriam when she's Miriam and Belle when she's Belle, but sometimes yeah. in my notes I mess up a little bit. So Miriam decides she's going to end it now. She asks um, her to repeat herself, and the girl's like, "No, I'm not going to repeat myself. You're acting like a psycho." And then she goes, "See, you're using words against me like skank and psycho, the way that people commonly do to discriminate against women." And she says, "You might not like my choice, but it was my choice to make." She feels a lot better once this is over, and Joel. Lee and the um, woman's center counselor, Sarah, think that she did a, a good job. They applaud her on a job well done. This was the absolute, of all of the um, like middle-aged extras that got hired to like bump into her shoulder in this movie, this woman was like the worst for me, especially when she said, like, you get banged for money. It's <laughs> like, oh, God. Kind of like... I didn't think she looked old. She sort of reminded me of like the girl from Tall Girl, where it's like just like when you're when you're like that sort of statuesque, like you just put off an older look. Yeah, and she was also. It didn't help that she was wearing like a contempo casual blouse. No, over like a under a heavy jacket with her hair half up, half down. Like it's not the greatest look to stand on a pedestal with, you know. So. <laughs> Um, she gets a call from someone at CN- uh, CNN who wants to talk to her about the whole thing. She thinks she's going to go for it. Uh, Miriam updates her status. Check me out on Piers Morgan tonight. I'm so nervous. Uh, so she's embedded the video. That means she is fully not hiding anything from anyone about this. Anyone who wants to know can know. And this is going to go into, you know, clips from Piers Morgan. Also some clips from the Young Turks and from HuffPo. And there's even going to be clips from The View. Um, one thing, there's two things actually I want to say. Um, one I'll say after, but uh, these clips from the shows are real. They filmed the actress sort of like in green screen um, in a bunch of different interviews. And then they would cut to like real life Sherry Shepard interacting with the actress's um, portrayal of Miriam. Um, okay, let's play 10411 to 10644. Nice guest another student at Duke University. Now she's known as Belle Knox and she's acting in porn to pay her tuition. You are probably right now, pound for pound, the most infamous student in America. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's totally surreal. I mean, suddenly all these strangers know who I am and have an opinion about me. I could have never imagined this. As a feminist, as a woman in women's studies, taking part in porno- pornographic scenes that sort of puts uncomfortable, unnecessary stereotypes out there for, for lots of men to think is the norm. To me, feminism is not about acting masculine or feminine. It's about having the right to act in any way we choose. There will be lots of people watching this who will be feigning outrage and yet secretly probably looking at porn quite regularly themselves. 
Do you think there's a hypocrisy in the way that people treat pornography in America? Of course. You know, something like 80% of all online traffic goes to porn sites. She's only 18 or 19, so I think we underestimate how, you know, immature and naive she is. Definitely. We like to say that, you know, porn is okay, whatever, it's just a job. Maybe she doesn't identify with it. She probably thought that I'm going to go out there, do this, it's just a job, it's not who I yeah, am. Yeah, I think you're right, and, but... Also, you got to own up to what you do, though, because at some point it can become who you are. If I'm honest, you know, I've got a young daughter, very young, only two years old. But if she, when she was your age, decided to do this, I would be pretty upset as her father. <laughs> I think the important thing is whether the person is doing it by choice. If you have a choice, I don't see why anyone would have a problem. The choice for me felt really natural. I've always been very comfortable with my sexuality, and I've been watching porn since I was 12 years old. You're a guest on our show, so I don't, I don't want to make you feel any kind of bad. It just, for someone to say that I've been watching porn since I was 12 years old, and it empowers me, to me, it sounds like you have something completely memorized uh, that you're saying. I just, my heart breaks. It really, really does. Getting hostility from men or women? Definitely more from women. I can't even go out without being harassed. I think a lot of women feel insecure having a porn star on campus, and they're probably mad because their boyfriends are watching my stuff. Her Did she really just say that? To what about us? We have totally supported her. Because one thing that I will fight on her way is... This, you and I are both, like, big View fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did you read Ladies Who Punch? Yes, I just finished it. Okay, so we all know that, like, during the Jenny McCarthy era of the show, um, this is when Barbara started to, it started to be difficult for her to talk about pop culture and stuff on the show because mm-hmm. she had a little bit of a hard time remembering and keeping up. She would often get confused. And mm-hmm. I rewatched this clip from The View last night, and it starts off with Miriam saying that, you know, she always had a relationship with porn. She started watching porn from the age of 12 years old. And Barbara goes, with or without your parents? Ugh. And um, Sh- Sherry looks at her like, Bart, like, ew. Fuck, fuck, and and Barbara, Barbara, goes, Barbara goes, don't be so shocked. And, oh, no. and Miriam was like, yeah, I would watch it alone. And like, <laughs> Oh my god. Watching Barbara deteriorate before our eyes and lose her grip on that show is one of the most devastating things that I feel like I've ever witnessed on TV. Well, I mean, it really just highlights that she's kind of a mean lady. I know. know. (laughs) Like, she's up there for me with Diane Sawyer, where I'm like, I grew up thinking you were, like, so respectable and cool, but now I just think you're kind of, like, a mean lady. Like, like a user. I felt bad for, like, Demi Moore chose Diane Sawyer for her interview, because I was like, girl, didn't you see what she did to Britney? I know. You know, I mean, you and I, I don't know if you guys know, I am not a Diane Sawyer fan anymore. (laughs) Well, I just hate her for that interview because I'm like, Diane, like you, if anyone should know, like you were like this beauty queen that like tried to be taken seriously as a newscaster. And you're like chastising this, you know, 18 year old girl for making a promise about her virginity when she was 14. Like, that's fucking insane. You know, like you're asking the world for an update on her pussy. Like, are you nuts? I know. I know. She like took the opportunity to not defend this girl who was blatantly like defendable. You know what I mean? Like she just jumped on the bandwagon, but I agree. Like Barbara got, and especially Barbara got meaner 
Like, oh my God, she got so nasty. And she was so unapologetically nasty to the guests. And I think you guys have probably heard this if I haven't even spoken about it on the show, which I might have, which is that in the book, they go through an anecdote where Jenny McCarthy was shocked that she was hired to be a guest host on or to be on The View because when she was a guest host a few years prior to being hired, um, Barbara found an unflushed tampon in one of the backstage dressing rooms and she just randomly started to yelling to Jenny to like come flush her tampon. Um, and it was obviously like Barbara assuming that like, you know, Oh, Jenny is like this young bleeding girl. Like, you know, she's dirty little whore. Yeah. It was like really, it is. So, you know, Jenny was kind of shocked when she was brought onto the show to sort of be like this pop culture correspondent. And then, you know, it got a little bit more complicated because Barbara couldn't keep up with the hot topics, but that just sort of goes to show that like Barbara is also this person that thinks she can treat someone horribly like that. And then not either not realize it or just assume that it's forgiven. Yeah. And like Barbara is also, and like this kind of plays into bell, like Barbara is one of those, like her age shows itself in interviews where they talk about things like this, like sexuality. And like, she's somebody who defends, like, do you remember when Corey Feldman was on her show and she got so mad at him for like saying that he was molested? Yeah. She was like, do you know who you're like, what you're saying? Do you know, do you understand what you're implicating? Like who you're implicating in this? And it was very old guard. It was very like, you know, she probably had been told not to speak out about people. And so, you know, seeing him speak out felt like a betrayal because, you know, she wasn't able to do that or, you know, she was part of like protecting these people. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she was friends with Jeffrey Epstein and like, you know, all of that sort of ties into the bigger picture of like basically Hollywood's long and illustrious history with pedophilia. So I could see, you know, she does seem like someone who would sort of turn the other cheek. One thousand percent. Yeah. And I hate to say that about another woman. I hate to say it, but like, it's just true of some women that like they, You know, it's not even boys will be boys, but it's just like you can't understand the thought process of a man or something. And so we're just not going to talk about this. This probably would have happened to these girls anyway. They're lucky it's a celebrity like, you know, this sort of like fucked up thinking that would happen. But it did. the, The craziest part about it to me was wondering if Barbara really thought that she was going to break this open during an 11, 15 AM news segment, like if like, as if that wouldn't have been on the flashcards that bell started watching porn with her parents when she was very young. Oh, oh my God. The hairs on my arms are raising because I'm so uncomfortable with her even being involved in that conversation. Like I I, I can't even bear it. Okay. But like also fast forward. But I also just want to reiterate, I know I said it earlier, but like, I can't stress enough how much Sherry Shepard pissed me off in this interview. And like, you know, Sherry for me throughout the years was always like somebody that I either loved in the moment or like despised. Yeah, same. You know, she she had a very specific role on the show, which to, which was to like lighten the mood and like make really dark things like move along, like to make a dancing with the stars joke and then everything would be fine. But like in moments like this where Sherry Shepard gets on her fucking high horse and judges this girl and says that her heart breaks for her. It's like, girl, our hearts broke for you for the first five years that you were on this show. Like 
you, right. thank God that Barbara Walters saw whatever it was in you that like decided to cast you like you blossomed before her eyes and became like a an adult thinking woman but, I like, forgot that she, that was like the bit was that she was so stupid remember like that was her thing she was like the dumb one i do remember like her being a flat earther like towards the end i did i don't think i realized or i don't think i recalled like immediately that she was so like just the bimbo on the show yeah like Uh, really just there to be a bobblehead it is also crazy to think how long whoopi's been on this show too like i know i mean i know she's been on for a long time but i forgot that she's been on this long it's crazy um Have I told you that i think Whoopi is like the crux of the show like i think that like the show would do exp- exponentially better without Whoopi. um i didn't oh oh i thought you meant the crux uh, i thought you meant like the oh okay you think that she's like holding it back i think she holds the show back like she's like the thing that they she, they need to cut will be off the show, in my opinion. She is very, like, there's certain things she does that I both appreciate, and I'm like, should this really be your job then? Like, where she will never say Trump's name. She calls him the guy in the White House. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, like, it's sort of like, you know, if you aren't willing to say our president's name, even though he's a fucking piece of shit, and, like, his name should be used sparingly, like... Or, like, with no reverence whatsoever. I do think that, in my personal opinion, by the way, like, I just lost 400 subscribers. But, um, I, you know, in my opinion, like, there's really nothing great to say about him. So, I understand that. But at the same time, she's a little bit... I find her levity both refreshing and, like, taking me out of it. Because, like, anytime people start to really fight, she's like, con. You know, fucking cut it out. And like, yeah. And but, it's also just like, I'm sorry, Whoopi, but occasionally you may have to talk about something on this daytime talk show that you feel is beneath you, like Courtney Kardashian being upset about her fucking birthday or whatever. And there's no need for you to like talk in your Valley Girl voice and like pass out on the floor because you find it so daunting to talk about like a reality TV star. Like, get over yourself. Yeah, I know. I I always am like, you have to, for me, I'm kind of like, she is an older woman. She's seen a lot. She has like been through a lot. She's an older black woman in America who's like literally always been a trailblazer. So like I can see her looking at like Kourtney Kardashian complaining about her 40th birthday and being like, are you fucking kidding me? No, I know. I get it. You know, like she's, she's old as hell. Like her, her 19 year old daughter had a baby when she was, you know what I mean? Like she's been through a lot, but I also, I agree with you. Maybe it's not the place for her. Can I tell you though, who I fucking love? Who? Um, Last night I watched the incredible uh, Danny DeVito limoncello clip. Do you remember when Danny <laughs> DeVito came on wasted on off a limoncello after partying with George Clooney all night? Yes. And like, you know, Barbara, of course, just being Barbara. I think Barbara is has never drank. If I recall from reading her, her biography, I think her mother had a serious drink or her father um, had a serious drinking problem. So I don't think that she actually is a drinker. But, like, you know, you got to, especially with a guy like Danny DeVito, you got to have a certain, like, lightness, a certain spirit about you when you're dealing with a guy who's that drunk and also has that great of a sense of humor. And, like, 
I honestly felt Rosie O'Donnell come through for him as such a calm and healing presence. Like the way that she was able to sort of bring him through that moment. And Joy had a great sense of humor too. But like Rosie has the name recognition, the warmness, the comedy background. Like if that, if, if she hadn't been there, that scene would have been so iconically disastrous in a completely different way. Because Barbara's not, Barbara's like the last person I would wish upon someone doing shrooms. Like, she's just <laughs> like, you'd have a meltdown after talking to her for three seconds on shrooms. Like, she's just so, I don't know, she's rough. She is rough. And I agree with, I think that in so many cases, Rosie, you know, it sucks that Rosie had to run that show like such an iron ship and that she was so mentally abusive to the staff because otherwise all of her ideas for the show and when they did implement her ideas, when Rosie was running the show and they like changed the set to blue and like, you know, they like, those were for me the best years of the view. And I think that Rosie is like, such an untapped resource in this fucking, like, I just, I live for her. And I think that that shows best days or when she was there. And I think that Rosie knew for years that Whoopi viewed it as no pun intended. as just a job as yeah. a paycheck and that she wasn't in it the way Rosie was in it. You know what I mean? And it was no like disrespect. It was just like, you don't love this job how I do. And yeah. I'm really good at it and I'm good at narrating it. And I'm good at, ideas i'm just mean you know? and she's done the day-to-day thing like she has been that person before that sort of comes out and does the monologue and does whatever she likes a talk show she thrives in that environment yeah. it is so funny though because like i forgot that she changed the set from yellow to blue and last night when i was watching the yellow set it literally looked like the fucking brownstone like on real housewives <laughs> in new jersey it looked like kind of like Teresa and joe's house like where it's just like that <laughs> fucking shitty columns and like that camel color like fake marble shit <laughs> like sepia toned like back just wall fucking so bad just like <laughs> how do we fill a gigantic cavernous home i don't know fucking put some columns and some fake marble in it do it do a painting treatment like it's just so dumb okay so um yeah, we're going to go to uh, Jolie and the Sarah. So what we just heard in that clip is that they're pissed, basically. They did they felt that when she said that all the other women on campus had sort of been against her, that she was making an attack on them, too. When in reality, like, I felt that that was a little unfair. Like, maybe they had to have them flip in some way on her. But mm-hmm. to me, I just was like, girls, like, it's true. Like, the women on campus have been the mass majority of the hateful people. Like, sorry she didn't say, except for Jolie and Sarah. But, like, you probably wouldn't have loved your name on the news either. Like, I don't really understand how, like, the, the couple close ladies next to her could argue that the majority of the issue came from the female student body. It felt really contrived. I mean, it felt really like, like you said, like, they- they had to create some sort of tension. Like they've gotten along so well the whole time just to kind of like, I guess, prove their friendship or whatever. Um, it's a like, moment. They needed a, yeah. they needed the next beat. They needed something yeah. so that felt like all hope was lost at school too. Right. And so, to feel like there was some sort of growth, you know? Yeah. So she, um, she's in a room folding her clothes when Jolie comes in and confronts her about the piece. Um, you know, she, is just pissed. She says, you know, I'll get over it, but I want you to know. So Miriam's packing her bags on the bed. Um, and Jolie is like, well, I'm sure you're going to go off and do more press or something. And she's like, no, it's, I'm not. I'm going to go home. So 
she goes home and her father is there and they really stretch these scenes out. It's a lot of silence, like her sort of rolling up her suitcase to this house and just seeing like how small she is in comparison to this like big pristine home she lives on in like a suburban street. And Mm -hmm. um, we were not expecting her dad to open the door, but he does. And it's just silence um, really for the first like 20 seconds that they're all there. Um, and then we cut to them in the living room. Um, her dad looks genuinely heartbroken. Yeah, he, he. I mean, like, I felt her dad is like the only parent or the only member in her family that doesn't annoy me. Um, of course, her brother like has to like make it about him. Like fucking John Bonet has to walk in and like be the star. Is like throwing his yeah. little tantrum. It's like, oh, shut up. Yeah, I mean, like, he's basically, the dad's basically like, you know, you've broken our hearts, like, irreparably, but we will always love you. And the brother just, like, storms outside, and she's like, Paul, I want to talk to you. He's like, I've got nothing to say to you. And he drives off, like, leaving his little sister sobbing in the driveway. And I really don't know why he's so much more upset than the parents, other than maybe, like, this has put him in an awkward situation in his peer group. Like... It's kind of disgusting how disgusted he is by his sister's choices. They didn't establish enough of a relationship between her and her brother, aside from, like, a gentle moment in the kitchen cutting tomatoes, like, literally. Um, and then, like, her getting accepted in college, like you said earlier. There wasn't, like, enough of a, a foundation with her relationship with her brother to warrant, like, what he was feeling. Like, it just didn't correlate like it didn't make sense like i didn't know how to like navigate that relationship i think the main tip or hint that we got was that he was friendly to her in a way that you almost couldn't place his relationship to her at first like i actually thought that he might have been her boyfriend because he was just so like inclusive and kind to her and the way that he spoke to her was like so full of love like it's very Mm -hmm. rare i think in most of these movies that you see a brother who's like genuinely interested in his sister and asking questions and excited. So, I mean, these two must've been fucking close, but it's still a little bit like, dude, at a certain point, like stop worrying about a woman that you're not romantically involved with. Stop worrying about her vagina. Like literally stop worrying about it. It's like, that's back up. Yeah. I've been, I've been like, in situations where I've even, like, been dating a guy who's, like, concerned about, you know, who his best friend is. I'm like, stop. Like, it was like, I can't do this anymore. I, like, was out of there because it just, I was like, stop. Like, what? Like, are you, like, fucking obsessed with her? Like, don't worry about what someone else is doing with their fucking vagina. If she likes that, you know what I mean? It's just, is like, weird at a certain point when someone feels like they need to micromanage someone else's sex life. At the same time, I think that I have had certain friends um like guy friends in particular which has made it awkward because it implies that there's like a sexual dynamic but like you're just so protective of them that you're like dude i'm like so tired of seeing you get fucked over like if i have to like live through seeing you get fucked over again i'm gonna die like yeah i mean i guess they did like they you know the movie did try and really push the narrative that I made fun of earlier, but like he's obviously really, really close to their to their parents. Like he is with them every time the parents are shown. Like he's obviously, you know. So I don't know. I guess that's like he's an extension of them, and like all of their disappointment comes out through him. But like it's just it's weird. 
Yeah, I agree. It's super weird. Um, they're a weird fucking family. So yeah. she meets up with Amy, who's also in town, and she's showing Amy the contents of a plastic bag as they walk down the sidewalk. Miriam's holding in a very expensive-looking purse, by the way. Um, we're going to find out. We're going to play this clip, but we're going to find out that the plastic bag she's holding is, like, full of her panties that she sends to guys that buy them or whatever. And I'm so... I don't know if she just bought a bunch of new panties or if she's carrying around all the panties she has to mail out like in one bag but you know i run an ebay store and i keep all my shit like real folded nice like i cannot imagine just running around town with a bag full of my wares that i need to sell um also her friend is like just handling them in a way that makes me uncomfortable yeah let's play 109.25 to 112.10 so you sell your panties to old dudes well the fans buy them when you sign autographs at these conventions. They'll pay like 50 bucks, so. Wow. Weird. It's all part of building my brand or whatever. I can't believe Paul won't talk to me. Give him time. Well, it's really just unfair. How did you expect them to react? They're conservative and Catholic. And you're their little girl. I just wanted a little support. Well, they have a right to their feelings, too. How do you feel? I mean, when were you going to tell me? We've known each other our entire lives. And I kind of feel like I was the last person to know. I really wanted to tell you. But I guess I thought that if anyone back here knew about it, they would make it real. You can't keep the truth from me like that anymore. We're best friends. I know. I won't. <laughs> How often do you have to get tested? Every two weeks. I have to do it to be able to film scenes. Isn't it scary? I mean... Aren't you afraid you're going to get something? Well, yeah, of course, but everyone tests, so it's safer than hooking up with guys at school. And it's a lot more fun because it's on my terms. Do you really think that? Yeah, I do. I mean, when I'm in Pornland, I feel welcomed. Like, those are my peers. You can be whatever you want and you won't get judged. At school... Everyone judges me and they, they put me into categories. It's empowering to be who I want to be. You're really good at crafting arguments. I've seen you making cases on the debate stage. I saw you do it again on the talk shows. But you're not on a talk show right now. You're talking to me. And I feel like you're trying to sell me on something. I mean... If you feel so empowered, and if you love what you're doing so much, why do you seem so unhappy?
so fuck Amy just said what we were all thinking like why does she have this like poise and all this stuff that she has like she does in any other debate and seem like she really has all of her thoughts and everything on track but then deep down just like or even surface level seems so miserable like if she is empowered and all of these things and if she has fun doing this why is she so miserable right now um And the answer is a little bit complicated, but I think the bottom line is, is it's the truth is that, you know, the choice that she made doesn't seem like it's paying off for her right now other than her school debt. All right. So Miriam is saying goodbye to her parents and there's a cab parked waiting for her in front of the house. She asked um, them to tell Paul how much she loves and misses him. It's a very tearful goodbye for dad. I actually will say that I kind of identified this as a type of lifetime cry. Like this is sort of like a male version of like a female cry in a lifetime movie where it's, it's just like it's a little like it's a little much. Um, (laughs) but it's also not enough. Like, it's just like, sort of like, you know, he's a grown man standing on the sidewalk crying for sure, um, with his jaw clenched, but he also is shedding quite a few tears. So I'm like, where, this is a very lifetime he cried to me. Yeah. Um, the cabbie comes out to help her with her bag and he's just a fucking perv from this, like the second you hear his voice. So we'll just play a little bit of this moment. 112.44 to 113.32. Go to the airport? Yep. Where are you headed? Vegas. Vegas, baby. Man, that's my town. What's the occasion? Bachelorette party. Better be careful. People get pretty wild and crazy in Vegas. Hey, wait. You're that girl. You're that porn girl that went to Fernwood Prep. I got a celebrity in my car. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess. What's your name again? I gotta watch your movies. Belle. Belle Knox. (laughs) Why don't you come sit up front with me, Belle Knox? I wanted to play this moment because I was shocked it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> oh my god, I know. What the fuck? I was I like, okay, so he was going to kidnap her or something. Me too. Like it, it, was that just to show like what she deals with on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think like between this and the next scene, we're going to start to see that you know, the lines have become blurred with her being a character a little bit. Like she doesn't mm. really have that agency that she should have with him where she shuts that down. You know, mm-hmm. she feels mm-hmm. this need to sort of like giggle a little bit and, you know, do her bell Knox voice. And, you know, that isn't, that shouldn't be a commodity you can get on the street, you know, and where she's going now is a convention in Vegas. And, um, she's like one of those big meet and greets where every, you know, porn star is in the hallway and you can sign and do autographs and all that shit. Um, and these guys are being super, you know, they're super forward and she's being very friendly with them, but also professional. Like as soon as she agrees to sign something, she's like, that's $20, you know, but she's very pleasant throughout the whole transaction. It's very clear. She's there to make money, but then quickly things get out of hand, you know, in packs of guys, like it's just all these guys all around her. And, um, at one point, you know, Don starts to sense that something's going on. That's a little bit, not great. And he says, uh, pitch them your your new line, tell them about your new line of sex toys. So 
at this, like, we start to see Don as a little one foot in, one foot out, the way that, you know, people probably do become when you're, mm-hmm. when you're, client is now the cash cow that you set out on them being like he's really there to hold her hand at the beginning but now she's sort of like on her own she's supposed to be making money he's probably trying to sign the next hot big thing like that's just sort of how this industry just like any other you know entertainment industry 100 percent works so um this is also by the way taken directly from obviously she's i'm sure done tons of these events but like this one in particular was taken directly from her documentary on youtube like almost word for word in some cases yeah she like definitely is like putting on her her fucking bell knox voice in the documentary and being like this stands for blowjob academy like just giving them full baby girl and like and like in one of the moments she says like the guy's like signing an autograph and she says like you should buy my packet let's see it comes out in november so things are getting a little bit more intense it keeps going she's like playing up this character she's not stopping things and then all of a sudden her scene friend steps in when things get a little bit too intense i called her her scene friend but it's not dora i i don't know who this woman is she has sort of like a swedish accent she seems like older she has more of like a stocky build to her she seems like she's like more of like um like a a dom type in a lot of these movies because she has that very sort of like yeah you want to like fucking punch me dude like i'll take you down type presence <laughs> but not in the way that dora does where dora seems like fucking pencil tucky and will just like take you down like this woman seems like she has a little wwe diva moment going on so Heather from rock of love with like shirley temple girls yes oh my god so let's play 114 29 to 115 11 I bet you need lots of spankings. You're so hot. I do. I can't get enough of them. Yeah. I'd like to bend you over and teach you a lesson for being so bad. I can hold discipline. Uncooperative little girls are my specialty. Excuse us. How you doing, sweetie? I'm okay. Yeah? This is intense. I know, but just keep your head in the game. Forget about all the gossip. What gossip? Oh, it's nothing. Just some girls are complaining and calling you a diva. It's nothing, really. Just typical stuff. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Okay? That was nice of her, I guess. But we do start to see that people on, you know, the poor and end are turning against her the same way they did on campus. Where now she is, like, the popular girl in this new scene. And, you know, it's... It's that new series of problems. It sucks because life is really mm-hmm. like this. As soon as you try and skate on to a new level of your life, another series of problems present themselves. Like yeah. that sort of behavior, it follows you wherever you go. You know, you're never really going to change too much of who you are. Belle's counting her money on the bed. Dawn is there. Um, we're seeing that she made probably like 500 bucks today in cash um, between after her hair and makeup and her travel. Like she didn't really make a killing that day, but he's like, hey, at least you don't have to fuck. Um, so yeah. she asks him if he's heard anything about the other girls calling her a diva. He says that the other girls are just jealous because she's blowing up in the industry and they like her. But this is what happens when a newcomer is on the scene. We're at a big red carpet event that night. Well, we'll find out this is is sort of like an AVN type awards situation mm-hmm. where it's the big porn star awards. And we, by the way that Belle is behaving, like you would not expect that she's about to win um, big, the big award of the night. Yeah. Um, and she sees Dora and some other girls on the red carpet. 
And, you know, they're being a little bit cold to her. Um, she asks them what's going on. And Dora's like, listen, we just don't like what you were saying to the press. And she sort of leaves it at that. But, you know, Miriam obviously is Miriam and she goes into the bathroom and she's crying because like this, it, she can't comprehend it. She like, these were the girls that were, you know, welcoming to her just not that long ago. And now they're mad at her. And like, she feels very victimized here. Like she is just damned if she does damned if she doesn't. Um, And like, this isn't a little bit of an interesting thing because it does sort of show like the the hastiness and decision making can be the thing that kills you like between Duke and just sort of like signing up for porn and like all this stuff. If like, if anyone had held back and helped this girl make a decision, things would be very different. Um, but anyway, so, um, in the, uh, in the bathroom, this woman from who kind of saved her that day, um, comes in and tells her that if she ever starts becoming her character in real life, that's when she has a problem. Separating reality and fantasy is how you protect yourself. She tells Belle that everyone is waiting for her out there. And, um, this is when we realize, okay, like this is, she's the big fucking event tonight. So, um, she wins the newcomer award. Let's play 11707 to 11852. On behalf of the Risqué Awards Committee, I am especially excited to present our final category. And the winner for Best Newcomer goes to... Belle Knox. All right. know how much this award means to me. I really love this business. So thank you for being like my new family. There goes the spokesperson for the entire industry. No. Go find someone else to cling on to. Why are you being like this? You really don't get it, do you? Nobody asks you to go on every show and blog and speak for us. You've been in this industry for five minutes, and you don't know what you're talking about. But you love that spotlight. And I guess that's the most important thing, huh? No, I was trying to help. Yeah, trying to help yourself. None of us need or want your help, okay? I thought we were friends. We hung out a couple of times, but we hardly know each other. Wow, are you really that naive? So, yeah, like, the other girls are completely done with her. Like, I just wrote in my notes, it's lonely at the top. Like, it's really, it's like, it's... It makes you honestly, it's a, it's a thing that I think, and like, it's so stupid that I feel this way, like about this, but it's that thing that makes you never want to fly too close to the sun. Like it just seeing how, you know, what you have to go against when you are at the top, it's like, just, it sucks. It's not meant for the faint hearted. Like it, you really have to be a beast to be able to handle all of the things that come with success and notoriety like that, especially, you know, when you, it's just so competitive. Um, 
Especially when she just kind of fell into this career thinking that it would be this like small thing that she was doing. And like now she's become like the feminist voice of this industry that she doesn't even really know that much about. And she's finding out now that the girls in the industry don't even agree with what she thinks about it. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was very like, it's a very rookie mistake that she made. You know, I don't think that someone like her really grew up knowing that there's like more of a code to these sort of things. Like that's a very streetwise thing to have. And if you think about people that like the women before her who have been in this industry for so long, like their sacrifice was totally different. Like Dora's doing this because like her mother is ill and she needs to take care of her three siblings. Like, you know, for one could argue that going to Duke is a much less noble cause and uh, then like, you know, trying to save people's lives like Belle is doing this for sort of more, you know, not vanity reasons by any capacity, but like to a, to an extent, vanity reasons. She wants that degree. She could have gone to other schools just as good with on a full ride, but she wanted the cachet of Duke and that came with a big price. And I could see why that would be very unlikable to a lot of these girls. A lot of these women are not doing it just because they, you know, want to get a leg up in life. It's because they weren't granted the opportunity to have an education, you know, all sorts of, there's all sorts of stuff at play there. Um, so, um, I don't feel comfortable playing the scene that came after this. Cause it's just like very real. Um, like it's real to me. I sort of went through something similar to this, not exactly like it, but it's also just really like gross. And we've played a lot of clips, but basically Belle is asleep in her room that night and Don comes into her room and he is just a new form. He's taken on a new form. He is not the Don that we have known and loved throughout this whole movie. And he is you know, trying to fuck. And she's like, get the fuck out. What are you doing? And he's like, don't worry about it. The people at the front desk, I put my name on the room. Like, you know, and and she's like not comforted by this. She's like, get the fuck out. And he's like, it's okay. I have money. And he tries to give her a bunch of cash. And she's like, get out of here. This is not okay. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you're right. And like, I made sure I had the captions on for that because I wanted to make sure that he was saying all right or you're right. And he says you're right. So I do. Can I just tell you really quickly why I'm a fucking idiot? Yeah. Like, you didn't know that was Don? No. Oh, it's okay. Because he didn't carry himself the way that he had carried himself at any other point during that movie. I didn't know it was him. I thought it was one of the guys from the porn convention. No, that's why it seemed like such a scary betrayal was because it was Don. Oh, oh my God. I watched it three times. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's why he was also like, it seemed like we were supposed to get that note of like why he was so unplugged from her at the convention when she was like basically yeah. getting harassed by those guys. Like he just, no, it makes sense now. Cause she said, well, she literally, I think she said his name. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm such an idiot. Okay. No, 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 no. Sometimes these things happen really fast. And also like, I personally, like, I didn't want to believe it was Don. Like, I was so disappointed because it was just like, oh, my God. Like, I thought we really were portraying, like, some of, like, the more professional aspects of this industry. But, I mean, I'm sure that that's also a very true-to-life thing where it's like, one, 
you know, she's no longer, she is best newcomer of the year, but you can only be a newcomer once. Like now she's in this industry. She's been around. Like he probably has started to see her less as like a prize and more as just like another one of these girls who does this, you know? And no wonder you removed him from your favorite. I'm removing him too. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so um, a woman the next day is checking out um, to Miriam at the reception. Miriam's in a hoodie with a bun. So this woman feels comfortable asking her if she can even believe that they're having some sort of smut convention while she's there. She was told that this would be a good place to bring her family. She's going to give them a piece of her mind. These people are disgusting. And Miriam's like, yeah, this is gross. Um, So she turns and the woman sees that she's wearing a Duke hoodie. And the woman's like, Duke, oh, my God, such a good school. Your parents must be so proud of you, Um, which is just like shitty. I mean, it's we're supposed to think it's shitty and it is shitty. Um, She cries alone in the loneliest airplane terminal I have ever seen. Um, she is clearly the only person flying from Vegas to Durham, which is at least she gets <laughs> to lie down on the plane ride back. Um, it's literally you've never seen a Las Vegas airport with zero human beings in it and just like a strip <laughs> of seats. And then, like, her just crying alone while some woman in an American Airlines uniform, like, vacuums behind her. It's, like, really dark shit. Literally. That's literally the scene. Um, So she gets to the dorms and knocks on Jolie's door. Jolie welcomes her in when she asks to talk. Let's play 121.44 to 124.10. Where are you coming from? An adult industry convention. I don't want to talk about it. I want to make sure we're okay. Yeah, we're okay. It's just, you have this whole other world that you're a part of, and it's not easy to relate to sometimes. I know. I just, I thought I had found this whole other family in this place where I sort of belonged. But it really wasn't like that at all. And you have been so awesome and so supportive. And I'm so grateful for that. You're wearing my necklace. But that's what friends do. What you're trying to do, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. It'd be a lot for anyone. This all started because I just wanted to pay for school. And now everything has gotten so out of control. It's like I blinked and my entire life changed. You made a choice, and you owned up to it. So who cares if other people judge you? The last few months have been crazy, but you're only 18. You're not supposed to know everything. You got your whole life ahead of you. Thank you, Jolie. I'm just not really sure what I'm supposed to do next. Anything you want. 
having sex on camera is not the only thing you're good at. That's for dang sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Anytime. So it worked out for her. You know, she's comfortable now. And then we see her giving a speech on campus talking about how she's sort of a fiscal Republican, but socially she's more libertarian and she believes in choice and freedom of expression. She talks about how she doesn't want anybody messing with her personal liberty. Everyone cheers for her. Um, Okay, so they're setting this up as if she's considering a future in politics, which is fine um, in what allegedly she's doing. Then when she gets down from her podium, the woman who interviewed her for the student newspaper, Amanda, asked her if they can have a moment. So this is the moment where I realized I fucking hated Amanda. It was 125.11 to 127. Last time we did that, things didn't go too well. I tried to be fair. I was much kinder than those talk show hosts. That's true. I know you try to be fair, but I'm trying to keep a low profile, so just out of curiosity, are you still doing porn? I mean, off the record. Let's just say I'm refocusing some of my energy on the bigger picture. What is the bigger picture? I mean, what's next? Politics. Really? Like you want to run for office? One day. How will you do that? I mean, your videos will always be online. Our generation is changing the world. And so is the stigma associated with a lot of lifestyles that have generally been on the fringes. I believe that because I believe in our country and I believe that people are good. Don't you? I'm not sure. I'd like to. I admire how you've handled everything. I don't know what I would have done. Well... You probably wouldn't have done porn in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. You're a tough chick, though. I'm glad you're looking to the future. We can only move forward. Take care of yourself. You too. And then that was it. She, you know, she did. It's so funny how she sort of handled the last moments of that scene with Amanda, like a politician, where she like shook her hand and thanked her, thanked her for coming out. And, you know, Amanda's just sort of like, just bewildered as she stares at her like it's very natalie like it's very natalie and caroline like amy just amy can't wrap her amy can't wrap her head around how this girl could possibly like she can't wrap it around and to keep her dignity and to think she's special like how could you know like this is the seeds of like a natalie and caroline relationship a little bit um but yeah i uh i don't know i think that this movie was it it was good for like for every for all the things that Lifetime can't do. It was able to do a, a like a lot. I think that inherently the message was 
pretty good. I think that they told the story well. Um, but you know, there's always going to be like, you know, it's no cyber seduction, his secret life. Like it's not this sort of thing where, you know, you masturbate once and then your life is over. But this is definitely a cautionary tale for sure. While still also being, I'm surprised that honestly, Miriam Weeks wanted nothing to do with this, to be totally honest, because I think that it was very fair to her and that she probably could have gotten some sort of credit for it. It was incredibly fair and it was well-rounded and it like, even the things that the movie saw flaws in when it comes to her story, it did them like respectfully, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So I want to know like from you, final thoughts, closing thoughts, because I know that, you know, anything else that you sort of haven't said that you want to say, because this is a subject that's near and dear to us mm-hmm. in lots of ways. I mean, I w- was definitely not expecting this movie to be so, uh, in many ways, I think, respectful of Miriam. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was going to be like, especially like the way that Lifetime deals with porn can be so, it's just such a broad stroke and like it can just, it can really go haywire. And I thought on top of the fact that this movie was like pretty respectful of her story and respectful of the things that I feel like they thought she did wrong of just being like a young, naive girl, basically to chalk it up to that. Um, I also thought that they handled the like salaciousness of it in a really, uh, in a really creative way. Like all of the like petting moments, like the porn moments I thought were like pretty well filmed. There's even like a montage of like all of the porn scenes she's done for like the month. And, um, I thought it was like, I thought they did a good job. You know, my closing thoughts is that I think that they did a really good job and I didn't have any problem watching this three times. To your point with like the social media and stuff, I think that's part of the reason why it helped. Like, you know, we weren't seeing a lot, but like when you see like a girl in a somewhat compromised position for like half of a second on a video clip on what looks like a Twitter, like mm-hmm. your mind naturally tell- fills in the rest of that story for you. So like they did a good job of showing us like scenarios. It wasn't like cyber sex, uh, cyber seduction, just because like that felt so cartoonish and not real and not the way that people sort of interact with this stuff but they were showing us directly a version of a world that like all of us have interacted with at least once like whether we wanted to or not so troy it's hard because this is a movie where you know to find something like super comparable something to put on our scale as your one i don't know if there's something you can think of maybe a story of like a young woman facing adversity or you know i mean honestly like legally blonde like came to mind for me (laughs) which is like in a completely inappropriate comparison but (laughs) but like is it though like is legally blonde actually just like the cartoon version of this honestly if l woods wanted to do like playboy or something you know what I mean? it does seem it did like it did bring up some of that for me like just a girl in way over her head using like her sort of like gumption and being very guileless and like you know um yeah um so let's go with legally blonde why not okay i love that on a scale of one to five is this more like the amazing classic we love legally blonde a one or is this closer to a very lifetimey movie Oh, it's so hard. I'm going to say... Do you think it's, like, insane to give this movie a two? 
I think it's like a four. Really? Well, I mean, I think that there's... Okay, I think maybe a three, and I'll tell you why. Because, like, even someone like Jolie, like, I was buying her performance, but she, it was... I don't think that she was... I don't think that any of them did everything they could with what was written on that page. And there were certain scenes where it just seemed like the directing wasn't there. Like, yeah, like you're it right. needed more direction. And by the way, the couple, the, the woman that wrote this and the woman that directed this are two different women that have worked on a shit ton of Lifetime movies. Like, they did Britney Ever After. Like, these these women do a lot of shit throughout Lifetime. Um, and the woman who directed this is, like, she directs regularly all the time she does a lot of like tv movies and you know single episodes of things so like it just but just something wasn't there for me i don't really know what it was i just i think this is like a three i think that there was just big blind spots like i thought amy was good but i really didn't love the counselor the woman counselor sarah i didn't think her acting was that great i think that she was very degrassi when she was giving tips in the women's center and then just had sort of like poor reactions like her reaction to the Piers Morgan thing was so cartoonish and yeah you're right everybody in the movie was extremely flat especially her her family like just flat as paper like just the mom and the brother were bad yeah like really 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 bad so yeah you're right I would say a three would be like at the very best I, I actually probably would go four yeah, I think it's a four. Because also, like, if you think about even just, like, the one-liners, like, the gruff guys or whatever at the yeah. convention, they were just so stereotyped. It was, like, hard not to nail that. And I, I will say it sort of reminded me a little bit of, like, a Disney Channel or ABC Family movie in certain ways. And I'm not surprised that they used actors from that world because some of the stuff was played, like... And that's how you do life. Like, it just was very, like, on the nose. Even the um, mean girls, too. Like, the girls that were supposed to be mean. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that was, like, atrocious. Like, that was, like, literally, like, they gave up. Like, I don't know what... So, like, someone was late to work that day. Like, the casting person. Like, something happened. Um, believability of the world and characters. <sighs> um... There was a lot of believability there for me. Yeah, like I would on this, I really would go like two. Yeah, because the guys like the like there are certain moments that you can't fake like like you can fake them. They're acting. But like certain moments that like are just made so much more real by someone who's experienced it. And like the guys who are being dicks to her in the bar like that really sort of like when they were like, oh, fucking sevens or more like, you know, whatever, like just like railroading her. That felt so real to me, like some of her like. You know, like the um, moment that, you know, she was sort of exposed at the frat party. I thought that the behavior on the film set seemed very real to me. So, yeah. Um, Creative use of words to avoid censorship. I will tell you that for a movie that covered as much scandalous stuff as it did, I never once was like, oh, that was an awkward way of saying that. Like, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, there was no, like, you stupid witch yeah. or anything like that. Like, I mean, the word skank was thrown around a little bit more than I think it would in 2016. But, um, I mean, I thought they did an incredible job with that. They straight up use the word asshole. Like, they usually won't go to asshole. And this is like a movie that that could have been really, really over the top. 
100%. Especially, like, on the sets and everything like that. Like, it just... They just put in moaning. They, like, didn't... They just were, like, let it... Let the actress moan. You know what I mean? They didn't try to make it weird. Um, creative use of words to avoid censorship. Let's give that a, a, a one. I didn't think that was bad at all. Dialogue. The thing is that I don't think the dialogue was bad. I just think that the actors were really flat in delivering it. Yeah, it's always, like, um, you know... Uh, chicken or egg with that because it's like did the actors not have much to work with or was like were were they just poorly cast it's real. it's always hard to tell I mean I'm gonna say like just for the sake of you know moving forward with this I think it's like kind of a three because some of it yeah some of it was well some of it also was ripped directly let's give it a three just because part of it is like that she literally word for word some of the things that were in her documentary were in this and it's like at that point like we're not even writing we're just sort of translating and putting it into a different scene um wardrobe i mean this was bad the wardrobe was pretty atrocious like especially they went with the cliche of like making her wear like leggings and hoodies every day to show that she was like in quotes like dowdy or whatever and it's like we get it and also them trying to portray this like extremely wealthy campus but like zooming in on like girls wearing like steve madden booties i just thought was like weird i agree that's the thing that always gets me too is like when they're trying to show opulence and literally like don't go to rent the runway for like a bag like literally like go rent a bag like borrow one from someone and i understand also there might be like a copyright issue with including some of that stuff but at the same time like dude like you cannot make like a big part of this be about the wealth and then like offset that with the the items that you are like like you and i said this last time it only takes maybe at the very most three like distinct pieces to like stick in the audience like mind give us a gorgeous burberry trench give me like you know what i mean give me like a nice cartier necklace give me something like i i need something to connect to that i'm like okay this is real money because otherwise it just it it looks like you know one thing i hate is like the aesthetic of daddy's credit card which and what i mean by that is like specifically girls that don't have to bother to get a taste or like some sort of personal style because their outfit will just be there for them like they can just always go to forever 21 and buy new stuff it's like a very disposable lifestyle and like that's what it all sort of looked like to me i'm comfortable giving this a five me too and i'm also comfortable giving hair and makeup a five (laughs) beyond yeah yeah if there was a six i'd do it It's really, really, really bad. Because everything was just extra. Like, you have these beautiful young girls, like, at the school. They don't need this, like, frosted eye and, like, glossy lip and, like, overdone curls. Um, And, you know, on the porn set, it's like, it just was, like, tragic how much less made up they were. Yeah, okay, thank you. I was going to say, like, if we're on a porn set and this is supposed to be, like, even, like, the one that was supposed to be something similar to, like, a vivid shoot where it's, like, va-va-voom, like, like women in full high whore drag in at noon fucking by a pool. Can I get a little bit more than like a bump in her hair? Like, right. Lip gloss and she had her hair lightly curled. Like, kidding me? It didn't seem like a Hollywood glam porn shoot. No. Um, Let's do music next. I 
I found it somewhat jarring in certain points, like the sound alikes or whatever, but it didn't, it wasn't like, oh my God, this song. Yeah, especially like that also could have been really bad because there was a lot of like frat party moments that could have just been abysmal of like fake versions of like Kesha or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't hear anything that made me like want to rip my eyes out, which has happened many times with Lifetime movies. At the same time, though, I definitely wished that I could have put in more clips where there was music for you guys. But like it was always like the music was way on or it was way off. So like there was never really any like bob and weave moments I could include for you to sort of hear that shitty music they were using. So like in that sense, they did take it away quickly when it was like over overwhelming in a party or whatever. But um, yeah, I think like a two. It, it was annoying, but it wasn't like, oh, my my god like this is yeah you know yeah crying so i think the main crying we have is um obviously from bell we don't get a huge scene from her though and then um the dad honestly had a good cry the dad had a good cry the mom's eyes will up with tears like almost every time she's on camera i don't even know oh, if that Bell counts. did have a cry after the in the shower and i think that that cry was very lifetimey yeah that was a good like laying on the floor of the shower being you know that talking was talking like to your brother after you just did facial assault <laughs> how dare you yeah your brother calls you from a fucking church bazaar and like you're like on the floor of a motel six wondering what the fuck happened to your life like yeah i'm gonna go ahead and give that a five that was like pretty rough um victimization of the female character see this is the hardest i've been worried about this the whole time because i literally don't feel bad for anyone as much as i think this was a really shitty situation do I feel bad? I don't think that I do. I don't think that I felt bad for Bell. The real Bell or the movie Bell. Like I don't I don't feel bad. I'll tell you who I felt bad for. I felt bad for Jolie and I felt bad for Dora. because dora genuinely has like a sick mom at home she was so warm and welcoming to this girl and now she's like in this position where not only does she feel betrayed by her but also like if she ever tried to befriend her again like there's her you know spot in the industry and then you know i felt bad for jolie because like this girl really just showed up to college wanting a roommate like anyone else and then went above and beyond when it turned out her roommate sort of became this pariah on campus and you know god knows the effects that that had on jolie's like life after this you know like whatever amalgamation of characters she is if we were to put all of that responsibility and weight onto one character i feel bad for jolie like she is a bystander here i think the biggest victimization of of miriam is sort of like maybe the the religious part of it where she you know was so stifled and felt so uncomfortable expressing herself in so many ways and also had this like good girl complex where she had to go to the best school she could um i mean i think this is like a two i really don't think it's that bad for victimization oddly enough i also just feel uncomfortable in a movie about a woman who's very proud to make porn calling her a victim I will say that the 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 only thing that I really felt bad about when it came to her was that she when you really think about it she liked what she was doing and 
sort of like transitioned into it like very like seamlessly and like really liked it and was good at it or whatever until she wasn't allowed to be good at it and like it you know like it kind of got the rug was pulled from under her not by like her experience really but more so by like the people around her judging her for what she was doing like she liked it and if if she wouldn't have had hot dogs and shit thrown at her and been shoulder checked at frat <laughs> parties, like she probably would have done it for a lot longer. You know, I agree. I, I also think that like, I just kept having this thought this whole time, which is like 18 is like, especially for a naive 18 year old, the way that she is very sheltered, even though she is very sexual, that is too young to be able to make that sort of decision. I think to really understand the ramifications of your actions, like 18 is, you know, kind of an arbitrary number for adulthood that was made up for the draft. And like, you know, we now see that like adults aren't really in full possession of their brain until they're 25, you know? So I, I do kind of look at stuff like the legal age and the drinking age and I have to side eye it a little bit because, you know, we are like, no, you know, they're 20 blah, blah, blah. They're fucking accountable. Like, it's like, dude, like, honestly, that's that's an arbitrary number that was made up. And unfortunately, we all have to live on that timeline now. But realistically, for a lot of people, a quarter of your way into your life to be able to start understanding it, that's still very early in your life. That's the first quarter. You know, no game is decided after the first quarter. Like, it's just not. Yeah, I'm at a point in my life where I don't even want to interact with anybody that doesn't have a frontal lobe. Like if you if it's developing, like come let like we can talk when you have the ability to feel compassion. But until then, uh no, you're not a real human to me. You know, it's funny because I, I find something really like enjoyable about it in a way. Like our friend Brandon Alvarado was out here like a couple weeks ago and he's twenty two. I'm thirty five, if anyone doesn't know. And like it's it's interesting because like I do feel like he can carry on a conversation like a peer and he is very very emotionally intelligent and sweet um, but you can't help but sort of grin a little bit when you're talking to these young people because it's just like oh my god sweetie like you are fine like you have no idea what the whole last rest of your life is going to be like it's yeah so it's it's it is very interesting because like I kind of like enjoy it now that I'm on the other side of it but I remember being like just 30 like when I had just sort of turned 30 dealing with people who were under 24 was basically intolerable for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was just like you're so fucking stupid like it's unbelievable how fucking stupid you are like how are you gonna survive like it was yeah um so let's go to our last one failure or second to last one third to last one failure and or refusal to jump to logical conclusion i mean this is tough because it's a true story so you know a lot of these quote-unquote logical conclusions they they the story is what it is because they weren't made right like you know maybe why didn't you fucking google any of this shit before you started it like why did you just get on a plane and go meet don and not know where you were staying like these are things where it's like oh my god um 
And then there's like, you know, some moments like with her mom, for example, where I'm like, you thought your daughter was selling weed, like seven grand of weed a semester. Like, how was she even getting this to the school? Like, you think that she brought like four pounds of weed with her the day she moved there? Like, I don't understand. Follow up questions that you're just going to go in the kitchen and cut tomatoes. You have no follow up questions that your your daughter's like in the cartel, basically, like she's selling suitcases of weed. That's a lot of fucking money. And also, like, how many times did she have to be told that she should tell her parents? Like, yeah. Really? Or. And also, like, the, for me, the the major issue, this whole thing is, like, is why I kind of want to give this, like, a four. Like, her family should have had a fucking conversation about finances, bigger picture before, like to know that it was as easy as her dad being called back to Afghanistan, like one phone call, like literally their entire bank account is jeopardized. Like that is a conversation. It's absurd. Yeah. It's for something that they like put so much pressure on her to do. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think this is like a four. I agree. Um, okay. And then we have drop plot lines. I mean, there's definitely some questions I have. Like, the movie sort of left off where it left off, um, very optimistically painting her as a future politician. Yeah. Um, where Do you know where she was in, like, when this movie ends? Because right now I read that, like, as of, like, earlier this year, she's, like, in law school or she's going to law school. I mean, that um, sounds right. So, like, when the movie ends, is she doing porn still? Like, I I guess that... I don't understand how... I don't think she is. I think that she's taking a break because I think that one of the things that Amanda said to her at the end is, like, oh, are you going to go shoot? And she's like, I'm sort of, like, taking it easy right now. Like... I kind of I don't know I kind that was sort of one of my takeaways from that conversation although it was never really clear like to me like there's it's not so many drop plot lines that is like a lack of clarity like what was really going on with her brother and her family like what came of that like you know like how is her mental state now like oh yeah like they never even addressed like how her relationship is with her family. Yeah. And like, really like, you know, just very sort of surface level evaluations of her relationships with other people. Like, I don't, did she just like sort of drop out after, I don't know. Like to me, like it wasn't even dropped plot lines as much as sometimes they feel like they make these movies a little prematurely and they don't age well because time just, you know, if they had just waited six more months, we would have had some answers. Um, I kind of feel like this is like a three just because like there's a lot of big question marks. Yeah, that's I think that's good. And then for font, I mean, I thought it was pretty lifetimey. Like, um, I it didn't feel like that would ever be in a real movie now. I feel like it might have been like a four. I would agree with that. It was super, super. It was like more lifetimey than the actual movie was. Because the Chirons and stuff at the end, or like the Chirons where they'd be like facial assault, Brooklyn, New York. Like you thought you were going to get that throughout, but then you didn't. And then I don't know if we can consider this a font, but like some of the snafus with like social media where they like clearly messed up the numbers or whatever, like those sort of things were all sort of to me like part of that world, the way that they displayed this. But I, I will say I wish somewhere else i could make up for it but the technological like the way that they showed a lot of the technology was also very very good um you could tell that the the people involved in this movie like 
had a very clear understanding of like OnlyFans and what Twitter, like porn Twitter and porn Tumblr and like what those websites look like. Like they had a very, and even just something as simple as, you know, um, like iMessage, even though like that should be simple, but like a lot of Lifetime movies get it really wrong. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's almost like, I wonder what it is too, because some of these places seem like scared to... They seem scared to show what an iMessage thing looks like, almost like it's going to be a legal issue. So they go with this like really weird Android thing. Like, you know, whenever you see screenshots on like Reddit and like someone has like a fucking multicolor message thing with like curls font, I'm like, you literally text in curls font. Like, you. <laughs> like you fucking. fucking yeah, you like, you're like fucking winding, wingdingings out, like on your chat with your mom. I'm like, what the fuck is this font? Like, I get a headache thinking about the chaos of looking at that every time I want to receive information. Like, kills me. Androids are such a foreign world to me. Like, it just, you said one time on a podcast, I don't remember what it was or like what you were even talking about, but you said like that you, for some reason, f- sometimes feel sorry for people that have Androids, even though you shouldn't. And that's like a, an elitist iPhone thing to say, but it's like so true. Well, like also Androids are like better phones, technically. Like they're considered to be much better phones for like the productivity of business or whatever. I just think that the interface itself, like when I look at those texts and I see that someone lives their life, like looking at a font. It's like, like one font. Yeah, I mean, part of me is just like, I'm thrilled that I have, I'm thrilled that I have no options. That's one of the areas, you know, like, I kind of feel like they cut me off in a right way. Um, The world also just doesn't cater to Androids the way that they do iPhones. So it seems like a lot of things would be like, you had to wait an extra two years to get Instagram, you know, it's just like, it just seems like it's an uphill battle a lot of the time. Yeah, and it is weird because, like, Samsungs are, like, I mean, Apple buys, like, their screens from Samsung, like, you know. Yeah. Um, But, babe, we've got a 40. Our score today is a 40. That beat the last episode at least by uh, a few points. So this is a pretty high ranker this season. And, um, you guys, you chose this. Troy said it. I knew it. Sex sells. Um, you guys picked this out. So, um, much appreciation to you. Troy, do you maybe want to do Manny Dearest for the, um, for the Patreon? I would absolutely love to. I've got a lot of input. Okay. And you guys, if you've stayed this long, I feel like I can let you in on a little secret. If you are a part of the Mother May I Sleep with Podcast Patreon, we are soon going to be merging that Patreon with the Patreon for all my other podcasts. So if you subscribe the $5 to Mother May I Sleep with Podcast, we're just going to move that to a new account. And like basically, you would have to move over technically. But for the $5 that you pay for Mother May I Sleep with Podcast, not only do you get all the Mother May I Sleep with Podcast bonus episodes, but you get stuff like Troy's show, full ad-free, Liz's show, full ad-free, like basically bonus content from all of our other shows, including a bunch of Please Advise episodes that we're going to be putting behind a paywall just because they're a little bit old and I feel like only true fans should have access to them. So, um, you know, if you're if you're not on the Patreon board yet, if you've just been feeling like maybe we don't have enough rewards, well, sooner rather than later, for your $5 a month, not only do you get all the Mother May Sleep with Podcast rewards, but you will get all the other shows included. So that's like literally you're going to be getting like 
seven shows for the price of one, which is really cool. And I'm so excited to do that. Troy is obviously one of my fucking major league all stars. So um, I wouldn't be able to do like I'm so I move about my life so much more confidently knowing that I know you. So I love you. I love you, too. Um, Have a good rest of your day. It's Friday, baby. I know. I'm excited. Thanks for letting me do this. This is super fun. I'm excited to do, to talk about being a Manny. <laughs> uh, I love you so much. And um, guys, check out Troy's podcast, The Smush Room. It is like an amazing show about all the celebrity relationships you may have forgotten about. It's just The Smush, S-M-U-S-H, Room. Um, and check him out. He's also on Twitter and Instagram at Troy McEady. Babe, do you have anything else you want to plug? Anything you're excited about? Um, not that I could think of. I mean, right now I'm doing this really intense three-part Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake special. Like, it's really, it's really I'm intense. I'm so excited. It's I- really dark. Uh, it's good. It's fun, but it's like, it's dark. So just, you know, be prepared. I have the first episode sitting in my email right now. And I'm going to listen to that while I'm getting ready to go on to the next stage of my day. <laughs> well, thank you so much for letting me come back. Thank you, Pookie. And um, you guys, thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. I appreciate you. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.